Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, September 16th, 2022. Today on the Ether, part two of a several part Sci-Fi Space Friday in the Cosmos. Ask Addy strange shit. Let's take a listen. Um, Pantera, do you want to come up and speak? You always listen, but you never speak. But you're a good speaker, so you're obligated to speak. You can also invite Dr. Carrie. She just joined. Oh. Yep, I've invited her. Hey, Dr. Carrie. Hey, hey, Carrie. What's going on? Um, we're just listening to kind of some, uh, like, uh, kind of like some fire-breathing women, some women that know what the hell they're talking about, right? And just kind of like checking out the vibe with all of that. So, uh, yeah, any comments on that? Yeah, I mean, I love fire-breathing women. It's great. Um, I don't know. I just heard. Someone was disrespected, but I'm glad that you guys are working it out and talking. And I think that's wonderful that you would hold a space like that. It's, it's refreshing to see. Dr. Kerry, have you, um, since your last conversation with Tundra, have you spoken to him and, and resolved that at all? No, I mean, I don't think he wanted to resolve it, right? Like he just mm. didn't, you know, it was, that was a, you know, I, probably shouldn't have gone on i wasn't in a good headspace maybe but i really that that really didn't need to happen like i mean it's fine though you just have to you can't please everyone not everyone's gonna like you but you gotta know what room to be in and for how long you gotta yeah you know my my feeling is see uh carrie like what happens is is tundra he kind of gets into this like um he gets like into this depressed about crypto mood, right? Like he just starts talking about ape NFTs and whatever the fuck. And he comes and he gets a bit moody, right? Like you try to get him off that train and he's like, he's kind of like on that, uh, his, his, his train only travels on one set of tracks, right? He doesn't have this like, like, uh, he can't like pivot. Right. So I feel like, yeah, that, that may be what's going on there. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I felt like, you know, then, you know, you were kind of, I guess, Maybe you guys think I'm like less sensitive than I am or like that I can ball bust with all the best of them. I guess I try. Maybe I put across that persona. But sometimes I feel like when it's just the girls talking and and I know this is your space. It's more of a guy's thing, even though I'm also an investor. Um, I felt like you were trying to find a sense of like um commonality with him and kind of hung me out to dry Sefi myself a little bit and i and i love you and i say this with like i think you think i can handle it sometimes and it's like like even even addy at the end i'm like even if you don't agree with me give me something guys as friends here you know what i mean like you guys are calling me i don't know i was like oh you're saying i didn't, ha- I didn't then, have your back or something right? yeah, I didn't then have I call, you like didn't that. have to yell at him just find some commonality 
Then, like, yeah, you okay. missed today when I we, we harassed Tundra a little bit, right? Like, you missed that whole discussion. So, yeah, I think uh, it went awry. Like, it's just contextual. Yeah, it would have been fun. Actually, it's recorded, so we could probably go back and like find that clip and. Maybe but then Bloom came and... by. I was like, Bloom, come on by. And then he's like, Yeah, Carrie, you shouldn't be saying these things and talking this way. And I'm like, oh. I just felt like it was just it was either like a huge prank or like, you know, I was taking things too seriously sometimes, but. I don't know. I don't know. It just felt funny. But another thing I will say, though, as soon as Bloom got on, Tundra was like, oh, yeah. Hey, buddy, what's going on, buddy? Like, so sometimes sometimes there's like bros, right? This like bro culture. And it's like, give us a chance for a second if you want us to invest. Like the more women who invest in Lunk or whatever, the wealthier mm -hmm. everybody in this room will be. So I don't know yeah. why you guys don't spend a million hours like chasing women in crypto. Exactly. Exactly. Um, the ideal situation is, is like loads of women in here, especially like, um, well, I'm not going to say a certain hair color, but a certain hair color is better than all the others. Uh, isn't it Katie and Kerry? The, the more women of that <laughs> type in here, the better. And I think the, the more this thrives, it's like a nightclub, you know, the more women through the door, uh, the more men want to be there. So that, that's what I'm trying to create here. The, the nightclub marketing psychology of Lunk. Um, is key to the success. And I don't think any cryptocurrency has done that yet. If you look up, if you scroll to the top of the screen and look at regular spaces, they're talking about like Sol and Ethereum and, and Board Ape Yacht Clubs and stuff. It's all guys. Like ev every single space is full of guys. And that's why they're so depressed about the price. That's why I thought that you put up the women-only space. And I was just like so surprised to actually see women in here. <laughs> I thought you did this as just like a spoof thing but this is great well i tried Wonderful. to put katie on uh to kind of take the co-host thing for some reason i think her thing is busted but that way she can just boot whoever the hell she feels like right like so like if someone's being like a little ownery or a little annoying right like she's just like fuck you and just like kick them off right but like for some reason her thing's not working i don't know because someone else want to try well i could uh, i don't know it's uh i just declined it you can try again because it sounds nice i would like to boot people that i don't like Okay, let's see if it'll let's see if it'll work. Um, here we go. Let's see. Oh, there we go. Have you noticed, Steffi, that women are like way more keen to to censor people and boot them? Like for me, I I don't think I ever really boot someone. Sometimes I mute people if they just won't shut up, but it's mainly because they won't like shut up speaking over somebody. Like that that misogynist today, he was speaking over uh, meow meow. That was horrible. So I I had to mute him. But otherwise, it's like. <laughs> anything goes. Um, but, but remember yesterday, Addie said like, if she was co-host, she would have kicked loads of people. Katie's like a power freak. It's interesting. It's like the, the female drive is the censorship drive and the male, the male drive is like the freedom drive. You can do anything. Yeah. I guess I'll give everyone one warning to not cross, um, to not cross me. Like Kitty, what do you think? Like, let's say I was being like maybe like mildly misogynistic, but funny at least, right? Would you take that into consideration, or would you boot me immediately? No, like, if, it's, if, if it's funny, yeah. If I laugh, you can say anything. But that's if the thing like, is, if it's not funny, then that's where the problem is. So it's like if it's sarcastic, it's a little goofy, right? Like it's you know, it's one thing. But if you're just being a dick, it's another thing. Yeah, actually, Steffi, this reminds me of something that I said before. Like I knew you that much. And like, I felt animosity from you ever since. So I just like want to clear the air a little bit. Um, I know that I said that women shouldn't work. And I think you were upset by that. But I want you to know I was kidding. 
I know Dr. Carrie wasn't offended because she understands me. I wouldn't work if I didn't have to right now, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I just love doing this shit for humanity. No, I'm just kidding. I do sort of, but I need a nap anyway. Yeah, see, Carrie was not offended, but Steffi, I think you were a little bit, so I'm sorry about that. Wait, was I? I I didn't think I could be offended that easily. I don't know. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yeah, I think I was okay. Yeah. You seem like me, Sefi. People sometimes say stuff to me like, oh, you were upset about so-and-so or like, um, I'm sorry I did so-and-so. I'm like, what did you do? And, and what happened? I'm like, I didn't even notice. I didn't notice any of it. You know, that's why, it, were, are they women who are telling you that, it, that something happened? Because we yeah. notice like non-verbals and tone a lot more. And or they'll think- be like, Or they'll be like, you know, back, back a few days ago, da-da-da. I know you, you intended to do Donza and I'm like, what? I'm just like, and me, I'm just like giggling at my keyboard or something. <laughs> I don't even notice these things. It's just a mystery to me. No, like, like I think uh, in my mind, like with women, men, it doesn't matter. Like if you want to be like some sort of like ultra successful, you know, in whatever it is you do, or you feel like uh, you'd rather kind of like relax, enjoy nature and look at the sky or do art or whatever. I don't I like, I don't care what people want to do. Right. It's like, uh, whatever floats your, uh, boat or whatever, like doesn't bother me. Like, so I think, uh, there's not like, uh, a need to sort of like worry about like having some rigid thing about like what, uh, other people's success or whatever really is. Right. So you know, I think people can do whatever they want to do. It's like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to ha- enjoy life. Sophie, when was the last time you were offended by something or like got angry about something? Like it may, maybe like a genuine anger about something like somebody crossed you wrong or did something. Can you remember? Mm, uh, not really. I, it's, it's actually pretty easy to piss me off. Like I've just seen a lot of things, right? Like, so the thing is, yeah, uh, I've seen every manner of mayhem on this planet. So it's like, I don't, it's really hard to, yeah. Like, you know, uh, so think of it this way. Like the it, people think that, well, like, you know, you can't understand what it's like to say, for example, go through cancer or maybe having, you know, uh, maybe a family member die or, so, you know, whatever negativity, right? Like, there's all sorts of things that happen to people. But it's yeah. like uh, if you have a reasonable amount of empathy and you have a reasonable amount of ways to, like, put yourself in people's shoes a little bit, right? Um, I think uh, – and if you've seen, like, just kind of, like, uh, a lot of negativity, for example, right? You have, you have either two things you can do, like you either buckle under that and you can get cynical, you can get negative and you can just sort of like cower in a corner somewhere and weep. Right. Or you can say, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, there's just not that much in this world that's going to bother me. The sun shines, you know, strange and bad things might happen. Maybe a hurricane hits a city or something like that. All sorts of stuff could happen. Right. But like to sit there and worry about it, like sit and, um, you know, like it's just going to be a wasted life. It's kind of how I look at it. Yeah, I think so. And it's also funny when you look back, how everything changes. And it's also funny, like, even take something as stupid as this lunar thing, right? So a lot of people, um, the, the death spiral happened, and everyone lost a lot of money. There were very diverse reactions there. Like a lot of people just went into like, absolute depression. A lot of people went into massive anger. A lot of people went into a kind of um, a blaming mindset. Uh, many people I know just like quit crypto. They're like, fuck it, I'm done with this. And they just disappeared. And uh, I used to talk to them on, on like Telegram and stuff, and they just haven't been seen for months now. Like half of the people in, in those little group chats and things just left. Um, but then, then like, but the interesting thing was that whenever there's a disaster, like a financial apocalypse or something, there's always some kind of opportunity. Like if at the moment of disaster, 
you noticed that that um, something like Lunk, when the chain was halted, that it was like a hundred million market cap, and suddenly the tokenomics had changed completely. The the minting of tokens had stopped, and it was just a regular coin with no minting. Um, and all the validators running and everything as it was, like the wallets and the apps and stuff, you were like, oh, hang on a minute. There's a really, really good opportunity here. So I put some money in then and like it it did a, what, like a 20X or something. Um, so it's 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 fascinating, like on the level of stories. Like if you have a story that this is the end and like, you know, this is like a final annihilation and nothing good can come of this, then you'll just be blind to all of the opportunities. But if you have the attitude that like the next day or the next moment could bring something interesting and also in chaos, most people are going to be irrational. And if you can keep a cool head about you, then you'll notice some things and probably be able to make a lot of money or, or find some opportunity or whatever. Um, then it's like it's 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 like it's always about stories. It's the story you tell about reality. Right. Yeah. Like uh, there, there's I'm really bad at like memorizing like lyrics and poems and, uh, you know, like lines in a drama or something like that. So I'm really it's always hard for me to bring up like spontaneously some joke or some uh, like, let's say, like uh, memorize some uh, like saying. Right. But one of the few sayings I remember really, really well and just kind of like I think it's probably among the most relevant uh, like phrases out there is that like. It goes something like this. We are the story we tell ourselves. Like it's as simple as that, right? Like that's all you have to really know. And that's just the nature of the mind. It's the nature of the universe. Mm. Yeah. And it's funny how, how like stories is pretty much exactly what determines the stress response, right? So like the, the level of stress you feel at any one time is usually a direct response to, to the story or the narrative you're telling yourself. And then you're in fact reacting to that imagination. Like whenever you feel something in your nervous system, like a level of stress or panic or whatever, it's when you look closely at it, nothing's really happening. In most situations, you're pretty safe. You're going to make it through the day. Like no harm is coming to you. Something has happened maybe. But but the main thing that's causing stress is like your imagination that it's somehow terminal or final or uniquely bad or something. And And when you have that happen, when you get in that stress state, it's like you miss all of the beauty, all of the opportunities. Um, all of the things that are still here that are really good. Yeah, like when you when I deal with people with like extreme trauma, right? Like whether it's in war or things like rape or you know all sorts of just you know miserable things, right? Like what what that represents is a destruction of your your story. It's sort of like a destruction of what you know you, yeah. what like cycle in your brain was sort of running this sort of like narrative this kind of like idea of what the world is like and then when you see these kind of extreme traumas and the financial trauma is the same way like you see these extreme traumas and people just get it's almost like your brain got whipped and it can't forget that event right it's like a it's kind of what we describe as like ptsd uh yeah pretty pretty common lots of different domains but like it's almost like once you've lost your story like how do you get it back or how do you make a new one or whatever And that's a very that can be a very difficult thing to do um you find a lot of people really struggle with that situation mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people learn the wrong lessons, like their their identity or their narrative or their story about themselves is somehow destroyed, like they lose money in a cryptocurrency and their identity was wrapped up in that. And it's like, how do you recover? Well, the, the thing to realize as well is like you were never that story. It's just you took yourself to be it. The The mistake was identifying with it. It was investing all of your, your self-identity or esteem um, in that particular thing, which was such a narrow little compartment of your being. It's such a small thing relative to who you are. Such that like the the feeling of death or or like identity destruction or something, all of that suffering, all of that loss is really just like 
the, the death of what you took yourself to be, but you never were. Anybody up here have some commentary, some chat to get off your chest? I do. I was kind of quiet because I was kind of listening because I really didn't know what you guys were talking about, to be honest with you. I don't really join spaces. This is the second space I've ever been in, and I don't really know what the fuck was happening. But so I didn't even realize <laughs> I crypto chat, but I've been to crypto for a while. I'm also well, I'm really more into stocks than crypto. I didn't start getting into crypto like two years ago, but I'll probably always prefer stocks. I don't know. I, I kind of have fun with stocks. Um, but with financial trauma and stuff, what I think a lot of people, they're just now getting into crypto. And I think something that would really help them is if they kind of see it when they start as going into a casino to gamble. Not that's what, that's not exactly what it is, but if you're new and you don't know what's going on and you don't really understand how the market works, I mean, you need to be a little cautious and you wouldn't walk into a casino with your entire fucking life savings if it's the first time you're in a casino. I mean, that's just stupid. And, you know, people who get traumatized by that, who lose everything in crypto, it's like if you're in a position that you can lose everything in crypto, you should not put everything in crypto. You should be a little cautious and figure out, you know, what to do first. And I think that unless you're someone who can afford to lose money, it's kind of, it kind of is like gambling. You need to understand that you are putting yourself in a position that it can be lost. Um, sorry, I'm cleaning while I say this. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's more so people who are new, who just don't really know how things can fluctuate. Um, but it is kind of like gambling. People don't like to refer to crypto as gambling. I know that's like a debate a lot of people have like, oh, it's basically gambling. But if it kind of can be if you're new to it. Like it, it really is kind of like going into casino for the first time and playing games you've never played. And you shouldn't put your life savings into that if you're not really familiar with what the fuck's going on. Um, that's all I have yeah, to say. Yeah, it's kind of like what, maybe like going to a slot machine versus being like an expert poker player and showing up and maybe winning sometimes. Like, yeah, yeah beating the odds or whatever, right? Yeah, you're probably right. Most people will, will, will lose a buck, right? So you have to be careful. Oh, hey, Denise, how are you? Hi, I'm good. First of all, I have to laugh at no scope because she's obviously an obsessive cleaner, which kind of cracks me up. Um, she was cleaning the walls and now she's still cleaning. But aside from that, her comments are very, very good. Uh, but and it seems like every time I come on here, I have a comment about uh, a previous speaker. And I don't, that's just me. I can't help it. it. But I need to comment on coach. Coach, either, and it, there's no question about this. Your intelligence level is off the charts. But some of the things you say can't come from intelligence. They can only come from experience. And that touches me beyond belief. So... You may think I'm a stalker. I'm not. I just. Hey, Denise, I'm, very... I, I'm a I'm a stalker of Coach too. So the thing is, uh, you don't have to feel bad about that. Yeah, we're all. Yeah, I guess we are. Yeah, I okay. guess we all are. It's hard not to be. He's he's incredible, but I'm a very trusting, very naive person for my age. Especially, it's embarrassing. 
But at the same time, God, I'm getting emotional. Okay. I, I'm a, I, I don't have an easy time speaking. And so many people who have spoken before me are really eloquent. And they, they, everyone that I've listened to is very eloquent. And they just have a flow about them. I have kind of, uh, I have ADD. And I've not been medicated. This is so ridiculous I'm saying all this. But anyway, I have ADD. I've not been on medicine. I need to get back on it. And I have have set up things to where I will. But anyway, the bottom line is you are all incredible people. And I need to give people a chance. So many times I speak before I should or I come up with a um, deduction about people before I should. And I will make every effort to stop that because the more I listen to people, the more I love them. Even though I may have discounted them at first or thought, oh, you know, their morals are Yeah, we, Denise, we sound like totally crazy bastards at first, right? No, I've loved you guys <laughs> from the start, from the minute I heard you guys. Well, not from the minute. When I first started listening to you, I was like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. This is absolutely outrageous. But then I stuck with it. And as I stuck with it, I was... And I posted, I was I was rolling laughing. You guys are hilarious. It's clearly out of humor. Some may be serious, but I can't differentiate between the two. Because again, I am naive and trusting. But at any point, you all are um, amazing people. I love every one of you. Yeah, that everything rolled off your tongue pretty smooth there, Denise. You're getting pretty good at this, I think. I <laughs> know. <laughs> I'm just kind of going. You're going to be you're going to be co-host by next week, Denise. No, no. Time. If I go into my own head, I'm okay. But once I realize I'm speaking in front of God knows how many people here, then I panic. So, oh, this, I, but don't worry, they're all bots. There's only like six actual real people here. <laughs> it's like a yeah. It's like just a small little room. Yeah. Well, some would even say like there's only there's only Denise, and then like yeah. Everything is like Sefi's experiment, but he, he checked out a time ago. He just left the computer running. Denise, I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say that you sound like a really lovely, lovely woman. And it's really fun hearing you talk. I think you should come here and talk more often, to be honest. You've got great vibes. Love it. Thank yeah. you very much. I, I wish I felt that way about myself, but I really don't. Oh, well, you should. You should. I've literally just heard you talk for 10 seconds mm -hmm. and you sound wonderful. And I think you should have more faith in how much everyone enjoys speaking to you and more faith in yourself because you sound lovely. Denise, the power in positive thinking, always remember this, that, you know, positive thoughts lead to positive outcomes. If you, you know, you should always just try and find the best things that you can and take the small wins where you can find them. And, you know, don't try and step too fast. You know, no one expects anything of you in here. It's very open and like you're saying, a lot of people don't catch the humor quite a lot of the time. But I feel that these um, spaces themselves are probably one of the better ones out there because it's not just, you know, hammering everyone with the same chat over and over. There's actual intelligent conversations going on back and forth. So, yeah, honestly, Denise, you're amazing and you're you've probably inspired a load of people here. But myself, honestly, I can hear the emotion and, you know, I'm glad for people like you inside the movement that want to come forward want to speak and stuff like that so kudos to you happy it is wonderful to speak to you i have a great amount of respect for you and what you just said to me is priceless thank you
Thank you so much, Denise. I really appreciate that. And um, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad to actually make and make one of these spaces. I'm not the best for coming into Lungdao spaces, but I, I'm going to make more, you know, time for this kind of stuff because of the intelligent conversations. I absolutely love it. You do so much with your YouTube channel. That's more than enough. That's more than appreciated. Thank you. And then I just like to educate people. That's that's kind of what I just want to do. I just want to educate people instead of bringing people in and then them getting angry when the prize doesn't do what they were told it was going to do and stuff. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Truth is honesty. And that's what I believe in. Although I am a little too trusting. When I don't trust you anymore, you're done. That's all there is to it. I will trust to the fullest extent, but once that trust is gone, you're gone. But I'm not speaking of you. I'm speaking in general. <laughs> I feel like I have to explain myself all the time. I'm ridiculous. It's, it's the way my mind works. Sorry. You shouldn't do. It's totally normal as well to, I'm like this as well. Like once someone proves themselves to be, you know, what I thought they were, it's kind of good to know that. And then you know that you can move forward and you can sort of go, well, you know, I'm not going to dip my toe in the same pond as that person. So yeah, no, I totally get that. And I'm never going to break anybody's trust. Honestly, I, the community is everything to me. I'm the same as Lunkdow, apart from I haven't been in this as long as Lunkdow has. And, you know, Coach and Sifi and people like this, they really are from a time before. They really do understand the system. And there's been a lot of back and forth recently. I'm not going to put names or anything like that or places, but people trying to state, you know, that Lunkdow wasn't, you know, the like crucial was to getting TFO in a position they were. And, you know, he brings so much to the table. He really does. And he's inspired me to become the person I am today and to become a validator and, you know, drive this educational push. So honestly, I totally get it. There's no question there about yourself, about Terra Rebels, about Longdeo, about Coach which we all know they're the same person, but I'm going to let that go, about Sefi, about Diamond Hand. There's certain people you know without a doubt that you can trust. Nativity or uh, being a trusting person, There, that goes beyond that. There are certain people that go beyond that where you know that you can trust them. There's no going back from that. You trust them. You will back them 100%. And that's where I am with all of these people who are the host. Actually, Denise, uh, I think you should back me maybe at most like 98%. Because like you got to leave 2% for me to make a big fuck up, right? No, I don't see that happening. If I see that, I mean, if something blows my mind and one of you guys do something that is just like completely beyond what I can possibly trust, then I'm going to question it, but I'm going to also verify it. I'm not just going to dump you because of that. There is a trust. There is a trust threshold with me. And once you've gained my trust, you're going to hold it until I can prove otherwise. That's just me. I like that. I like how, um, I like how in touch with your emotions you are as well when you speak. It's really nice. Yeah. But coach, I'm a keyboard warrior. <laughs> Honestly, I am. I don't speak like this very often. And No, it's uh, the opposite of a keyboard warrior. You're somebody who speaks from the heart. 
I do speak from the heart, but it's normally through uh, through the computer, through you know typing shit, not from speaking literally. Even though what I type is truly what I believe and truly mm-hmm. what I'm going for, it's a lot easier for me to do that than to get on a space like this. And I can't believe I'm doing this right now, other than the fact that I'm in my own head, it, listening, but in my own head. Yeah, I mean, when, but when we hear you, we can tell there's no like there's no separation between your heart and your emotions and what you say. Like there's no there's no there's no buffer, right? It's just straight out, which is really nice. There's not. Sometimes I wish there was, but there's really not. Yeah. It's better to live your life that way, expressing everything you feel, than to be one of those people that have it all locked up inside them. Because I think uh, feeling the full range of the human experience is one of the best ways that you can live your life. You know. They're right. But sometimes I do lock it up inside me. Many times I do. But when I let it out, I let it out. Yeah. Uh, out of curiosity, Denise, like what, what could Sefi do to make you lose trust for him? Like what, what would be a way he could, he could lose your trust? Oh my gosh. I guess to not support Lunar Classic anymore. <laughs> so if he like starts tweeting like Lunar Classic is going to go to zero, I'm out of this. I've sold all my Luna Classic. That's like, he's dead to you. Yeah, if he becomes a fat man, then we've got a problem. Yeah. I mean, Sophie can be kind of a prankster sometimes. One time he like left like a wire across my front door. So I walked outside <laughs> and tripped over it. So, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to do that to you, but if he's going to break your trust in that 2%, it might be that. So just check your door because it was really embarrassing when I fell over. Yeah, I, I will check my door, but a, pr- a practical joke. It isn't going to break me. It's got to be a serious offense to me. But I hear what you're saying. I I think you might have missed the spaces where I discussed, like, attaching model rocket missile launchers to my bicycle. Um, Because there was someone that slighted me when I was a kid, right? So I kind of had rigged up this entire thing because I'd watched too many, like, I don't know, Robotech cartoons or some shit, right? And next thing you know, like, I've got this bicycle with rockets attached to it. And, uh, you know, I didn't actually, um, uh, like, I wasn't very, like, I didn't have very good aim, right? I couldn't hit the kids that were bullying me. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of got a little aggressive there. So, like, yeah, I'm not totally sane. So just be aware of that. Oh, bullies. Bullies can make the total worst from a person. I mean, that's obvious from all the things that happen. I cannot stand a bully. Cannot stand a bully. Cool. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Lucas, what's going on? What are you doing? Not much, not much. I'm just sitting here. Uh, so I have I have a bunch of coconut shells that have kind of appeared in my bed lately because I uh, I cleaned everything else out of my kitchen and it all just kind of wound up on my bed as I pushed it down the rooms. So I've been sleeping really poorly lately because there's uh here. I don't know. I can maybe tweet out a picture and post it up here, but bunch of really sharp coconut shells in my bed that sounds really um, unfortunate wait put, okay, post a picture yeah we need to see this you know, the first thing that came to mind when you said this was like i'm like hmm, i wonder if he has a shop back or something right how many hold on i think we need we need visual representation well while you get the visual um i just wanted to thank denise for being so real um, I kind of know what it's like to be so trusting with people, and um, I appreciate what you were saying and um, keeping you 
always. Don't let anyone change who you are. Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Very much. Lucas, so, like, you? with the coconut shells, are they, like, coconuts that you ate? Or did you, like, is it... I don't know. How did that happen? I think I, I just pinned it. I don't, know, uh, I don't know how long this takes to show up here. Whenever I see coconuts, I always think, like, you know, like, Kinder Eggs, how they have, like, a fun little surprise inside? I always feel like coconuts should have, like, a fun surprise inside, like, a bug or something, like a butterfly. But... A lot of the times I've been buying these from uh, Walmart and they do have a fun surprise. It's like, so when they start getting moldy, the meat of the coconut separates from the outside of the shell and it starts developing this kind of like weird, uh, like coagulated mold type thing. So when you drill the holes in it, I usually drill two holes. So I, I go one for air and then I go one to suck out the coconut milk and then I'll be sucking the milk out and then suddenly it just gets stopped up. And then I suck harder, and then this big uh, chunk of mold shoots through the hole into my mouth. You know, Lucas, um, have you ever made your own coconut milk? Because I do that. It's very good. How do you do that? I don't have any, uh, like, I don't have any bodily coconut orifices, so I've never really tried. Oh, it's, it's very simple. You take the meat that's inside the coconut, and you put it through the blender with some warm water. And then you press it like through a cheesecloth, and uh, there's your coconut milk. Oh, does so it taste like? Does it taste like the normal stuff? No, it's so much better. Like what? What you find in the store is so ugh. You know, when you make it yourself, it's like fantastic. But does it taste like the coconut water from like uh, like from inside the coconut, or does it taste like something totally different? No, it tastes like the water, but it's like much creamier and thicker and just yummy. It's like really yummy, oh. like amazing. I might have to try that because the issue I've been having is like I'm eating like three coconuts a day and that's it's like good and stuff for a while. But at some point when you're eating that much coconut, like uh, it, it kind of feels like there's pine cones going through your digestive tract. It really like tears shit up down there. So I need to process it better somehow. So I'm, I'm clearly not chewing it in a small enough pieces. Why do you open the coconuts under your bed? I usually open them in my garage, but then the shells just wind up in my bed. It's like I was, I was eating them all over the house and I cleaned every room of my house and I just started throwing the coconut shells down at the beginning of the next room. And then they just wound up on my bed. How, how do you it open though? it? Sorry. Sorry, go on. Meow, meow. Um, no, I, I just wanted to know how he opens the coconut. Does he use a knife, like, to bang around it, or? I usually just hit him with a hammer. So first, I take my drill out. I drill two holes. I suck out all the coconut water. And then I go out to my garage, and I whack him with a hammer. And then I use a, uh, like, a, a shitty knife. And I, I bent the knife now, so it has, like, a nice curvature to it, so I can get it under the meat of the coconut and pry it all out without uh you know because like a normal knife is straight right and you can't really stick like something straight behind something that's curved so i made like a little coconut de-meating tool have you ever have you ever just tried like the back of a knife it's very simple the back of a knife yeah you just hammer around it like in a circle around the coconut and eventually it'll crack and then you open it up and there you go. How do I get the meat off, though? My biggest issue is, like, because, like, opening it, 
it's it's not a huge deal, but getting the meat out in a way that because uh, like I I don't know I just don't want to like I want to have a few you're big kind of, chunks of lazy, coconut right? meat that I walk around right. You're kind of lazy to like just dig into this thing. Is that your problem? Yeah, like I'm trying. I mean, if I'm eating this many coconuts, I need to do it as quickly as possible, or else the whole day just becomes you know like coconut processing, right? Like there's uh there's those coconut crabs. They're one of the few crabs that have been known to actually eat full humans in certain circumstances. They're massive. They're like three feet long or something like that. They can be like 60 pounds and uh, they, they have all day to spend eating coconuts. Right. But I don't like, I'm not a coconut crab. Yeah. I'm utterly confused at this point. Um, Hold on. What's that sound in the background? Lucas, there's like a tr- train or something. Oh, my bad. I got my pressure cooker going. I'll walk away. Is it still going on? No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to shame you for it. It's okay. I'm just wondering what it is. I didn't want to shift the conversation, but is everybody aware that SpaceX is launching Falcon Nine again? They're going to try again. I don't really think that's real, personally. I think it's kind of like a. It's like a video game. So that was like a Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, yeah. What, what, it could just be. I, what do you guys think about like the idea of going to space? Do you think we should be going to space, or do you think it's like a homosexual thing, or what? Yeah, I wouldn't do it personally, man. Space. I is mean, fake. everybody fantasizes about going to the moon, so I guess you know it's something people obsess about. I've been told uh, that there are actually uh, sort of like moon uh, witch aliens inside the moon, right? Like, so I'm a little bit skeptical about sending human beings there again. Um, I'm concerned that some of these, uh, what was, what did, uh, open eyes say? He called them, uh, I don't know, like moon, moon bitches or something. Like I, I'm worried that we're going to bring those back. Right. Like it's weird. Like, um, like if there is a witch inside the moon, right? Like, would you want to bring that back? Would you risk it? That's the real question. Cause you could, it's not like just drilling a hole in a coconut, right? Like you drill a hole into the moon and you like just test it for whatever. And then these things like seep out. I'm, I'm pretty nervous about that. Like, uh, open eye. Uh, I need to get open eyes back here. I don't know where he went. But you he knows all that about this. Sorry, I was just gonna say you were saying that. If, I feel like I'm seeing the moon as one of Lucas's coconuts now, and one day he's gonna post a picture on Twitter of chunks of the moon on his bed. You know, like it's full of milk. Coach, do you happen to know uh, what uh, Open Eyes' uh, address is? Like, how do you, how do you find him? You mean on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Um, you mean his username, or like whatever you got to do to like DM him to kind of come hang out with us? <laughs> um, open eye, yeah, open eye project three, I think it is. Let me see if I can get a hold of him uh, while Pantera chats here. Yeah, I've been having this um, recurring dream, and I wanted to talk to you about a coach and see if you can maybe decipher or interpret what it might mean. Um, mm-hmm. Sure. And I've been having it for years and it's, it's weird. I'm back in like either high school or college and it's, it's finals and it's, it's the last test I need to take in order to graduate and move on with my life. And there's like a class, usually it's math, um, that there's a final and I haven't been to in in months like i just totally blew it off because i figured i didn't really need to study i could just go in there and and just kind of take the final and, and uh and and pass it without any studying 
uh, and I become super nervous and I, I can't find the classroom and I have this like panic attack that I'm, I'm not going to graduate and, you know, I'm going to be stuck in this school, whether it's uh, like high school or, or college or whatever. And then I finally find the classroom and the teacher is like this beautiful woman and she knows that I haven't studied and she gives me an ultimatum. She says, you can either take the test and fail or you can drop your pants and expose yourself to the classroom and let us all laugh at your small penis and then you can pass the class automatically. Um, but you know, she's such a beautiful woman. And, and then I look and I turn and, and everyone in the math class is, is a beautiful woman. And I, I have this panic attack and I freak out and, and I just don't know what, what this dream means. And it's recurring. I mean, like once or twice a week. Mm. Uh, how old are the, the people in the classroom? Like what kind of age? Because you said maybe, maybe school or university. Are they like your age or are they significantly younger or what? How old are you as well? Uh, I'm 17, but the, the woman, the teacher is, is like, you know, my, my type. So she's like mid forties. Um, and then when I turn to the rest of the class, it's, it's almost like they've transformed from students, like my peers to, um, the faculty and it's all, you know, they're all like teachers. Um, and you know, my favorite song is, is that Molly crew, or I'm sorry, that the Van Halen song hot for teacher. And, and like, that's been really kind of my, um, my kink and, but I, but I'm ashamed, you know, because I haven't studied for the math test. And so they're, they're like giving me this easy out. Um, but I just don't know like what, what to do. And I panic and I can't pass the math test and I can't embarrass myself with my small penis. And I have no option and I, and I suffocate and I like have to wake up and like catch my breath. You're sharing some pretty deep, uh, intimate, uh, like workings of your brain here. Uh, uh are you going to be okay with some of the, uh, comments from the group here? Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're going to expose these vulnerabilities. Uh, because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, Katie, sometimes Zara, they can be kind of uh, maybe judgmental. I don't know. So just want to make maybe, sure that you're okay. Maybe like uh, maybe we can establish like um, like boundaries, like maybe I'll, I'll have like a safe word if if I think we've gone too far or I'm having like a okay, physiological what, what reaction that, or I become be? short of breath. Yeah. What would that word be? Um, nong, nong, nong. Okay. Hmm. So you'll say that if, uh, let's say, Zara oversteps her bounds or Lucas uh, talks about coconuts or something. Mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Um, Pantara, does the, does the dream always end at that ultimatum? Or have you ever started to choose one of the options? Or is it that you're paralyzed at the point of the ultimatum? Or have you ever dropped your trousers and then like been horrified by the response? Like, where are you? Where does the dream end? Yeah, typically I'm uh, typically I'm I'm paralyzed by the ultimatum, and I I start to hyperventilate, and um, and I like it. It I don't know. Sometimes I guess when you're dreaming and and you hyperventilate, it can kind of carry in, over into real life, and then I I wake up, um, of course in my in my uh, studio, um, with with my mattress on the floor, and then usually I roll over and just like get a glass of water from the spigot, 
near my near my the mattress that I sleep on on the floor. Hmm. Um, Lucas, what do you think about that? Sorry, I haven't been listening here. I've been uh, trying to collect screenshots from a group chat so that I can later repost them for engagement. Mm -hmm. Pantera, how, how, do you, how do you feel when you hear that Lucas has not been listening? Um, I'm not going to lie. It hurts because I know that, you know, Lucas is a... Is wait, a wait, wait. Influencer. Can you start again? I've, I've just started listening. No, I think he's shared his heart here really openly and vulnerably and i think to to draw him through the same story would probably traumatize him again that's a good point i don't think he should repeat it i don't know i feel like uh, and now i think about it sometimes when you watch a film twice you really notice a lot of like easter eggs and like fun little things that you didn't see the first time so maybe you should tell it again pantera i mean this is a woman only space and we're holding space for you yeah, I can, I can tell it again. Um, I, I, I've, I've got this recurring dream, uh, like twice a week, and, um, I. So when I was in high school, I, I was I was a really good football player, um, and, and that's in real life. That's not a dream. Uh, in fact, it was the only reason that I got into such a good university is because I am huge and like can like basically kill people on the football field, and. Um, and so I keep having this recurring dream that it's always Friday night and uh, the it's time to play the game and they need me to in order to play the game and, and the oh, coach. Right. Thank you for sharing your truth. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and the coach is, is calling me, but, but I can't find my, my equipment, my, my helmet. And then when I come into the locker room right before the game's about to start, he says he has my helmet, but the the only thing I can do in order to get my helmet back is to show my penis to all of my teammates. Um, and they're all beautiful men, uh, chiseled jawline, very muscular, um, you know, hairy chest, hairy back. And Sarah, I think you should do more listening checks. Like it's I think it's very possible at this stage that Lucas has gone into another group chat and he's getting even more screenshots um, and he's just zoned out completely. And I notice you haven't checked these listening. I think you should reach out and check um, either verbally or maybe doing your um, sound when you feel unsafe or something. No, so uh, I actually just tuned in as soon as I heard your voice again, Bruce. I don't know. Is there something going on before that, though? It's just your voice kind of draws me in. But then, you know, other people start talking and I just kind of go away. Mm. It's not like I'm trying to do it intentionally out of rudeness, but it's just like, you know. There's like a, a subconscious part of your brain that kind of drives most of your yeah. daily uh, movements and to do you know, with, add and flow to things. Things to do with vibes, like fundamentally it's vibes. Like if the vibes are bad, I, like I do this too. When, whenever vibes are bad, I just dissociate. Like I can be in one of these spaces and I won't know what happened for the last 30 minutes or so. Like if Sefi's talking to one of his nerd friends or something, I'm just like gone. And then, and then like I hear a girl's voice, like Katie's voice or something. And I'm immediately like back, like luminously present, awake here. Um, yeah, I think that's what's happening, Pantera. You, you just, something's wrong with your vibes. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand. Um, and, you know, it's, it's hurtful, but... Yeah, Pantera, why do the, the dreams always end in you showing your, uh, 
your penis to like some sort of crowd. What do you think the meaning of this is? It seems a little bit weird. Um, like, is that like you think maybe like perhaps there's like some some deep desire for for voyeurism or something that I that I need to experience, and I just um, maybe you should I, just go out there and do it like right now, just. Uh, run out in the street, perhaps, and just kind of like practice. Maybe. It seems like you need to get this off your chest or, or out of your pants, or like or go back to the, maybe go back to the high school and the math. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I can recommend that. Right? That that would be because how yeah. old are you now? You're not in high school anymore, right? No, I'm I'm 47. Yeah, please please don't uh, like uh, please don't uh, uh, I don't know do this experiment should i go back to the to college football locker room and try it <clears throat> maybe not even there i don't know there's some like certain colonies for this right like there's places certain beaches perhaps where this is considered the norm i i think like some parts of france uh there uh, maybe in mexico actually midas there is clapping his hands i think some parts of yeah. mexico yeah, there's one one uh naked beach that you can go there uh i think nacho don lives there but um not sure if you want to do that with Nacho Don, so just just saying. Um, yeah, that's it's interesting that you bring up Nacho Don because my my college football coach looks very similar to Nacho Don, and since I've interacted with him, he he sometimes, you know, people from reality are are sometimes in your dreams and sometimes like nacho don is is like part of the football team um he's he's like the the long snapper um and he's very specifically like engaged in the the act of them asking me to um uh show them my my penis um yeah uh, so zara you've had dreams like this is this something women have since this is a women in decentralized finance space? Is it, do you have uh, dreams about like maybe like money and, uh, and power? Sophie, can I, can I just interject here? I noticed that sometimes um, you feel a need to, to host the space and to move to one person then another person, then another person. I think oh, we can, we can maybe well let go of that. Is, uh, like penis voyeurism instead. I, I think it can be more like a Quaker circle where each person like comes up and speaks when they feel summoned. Like when they feel that the Lord is, is descending into their heart, they can just speak openly. And, and maybe when you're doing the, the decentralized finance hosting thing, like pointing at each person, making sure everyone has a turn, you're, you're interrupting that, that natural process that could be divine. Mm. Okay, let's do it your way. I mean, I see where you're both coming from, and I really respect both of you, and I hold space for you um, to be yourselves. Uh, but in terms of the dreams and stuff, um, last night I fell asleep, I think, listening to Katie's ASMR, or maybe Sefi doing a story. I'm not sure if I made that second one up. Um, and I just basically dreamed I was, um, like, Katie's sister, but I was, like, a twin of her, and then we, like, we kept, we had this bite. And it had like two seats on it. I can't remember what they're called, tandem bicycle. And we were like doing the paper round together and we were like chucking newspapers and I would chuck the ones at the left side of the road and she would chuck the ones on the right side of the road. So that sort of thing's basically all I dream about. It was a really good dream. Who was um who was at the front of the bicycle and who was at the back? 
Katie was at the front because I guess she was the original Katie. And I was kind of the sister that looked similar to her, but not fully similar. But I sort of like dyed my hair a bit blonder and did makeup to look like her. I mean, it's kind of weird in retrospect, but I don't know. I just felt like I should be truthful because it's a woman-only space. Did any of you have any wonderful dreams after like Katie's ASMR last night of Katie and like riding bikes with her as well? Or was that just me? No, I think it was just you. I'm, I'm waiting for God to motivate someone to speak. Hey, we can we can dwell in the silence together. Pantera, mm-hmm. I was thinking about your dream, Pantera. And I was wondering, is there, is there any part of like high school that you felt was somehow unsatisfactory or incomplete? Or maybe if you could go back, you would have done something like maybe socialize more or get a girlfriend or something. Is there any part in your history that feels like it's somehow you didn't give yourself fully to life or maybe you regret it? Well, I mean, the obvious one is that I never went to math class, but um, I think at a deeper level, you know, there was um, there was this really ugly girl that that had a crush on me when we were like sophomores and she had braces and, you know, she hadn't like developed yet. Right. And she wanted to date, um, but I thought I was better than her. And then like the ugly duckling that 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 morphed into a beautiful swan. Uh, by the time she was a senior, she got her braces removed and she had developed these voluptuous lady lumps and she was actually quite gorgeous. Um, and I felt like, you know, at that point she, she liked me when we were sophomores and I could, I could come back and, and, and woo her. Um, but she had surpassed me and she ended up, she ended up dating this guy who, um, he, he drove a, a Corvette. I mean, I mean, it was his dad's, um, but, but it was cool. You know, um, I, I didn't, I didn't even have a car. Uh, my mom drove a, a Nissan Versa with a donut on the front, uh, left tire and he, and he had a red Corvette. Um, so, so yeah, it was, uh, it, it was, uh, it was my first heartbreak that moment. Pantera, have you ever heard of a guy called Rick Rosner? No. So, um, Rick Rosner is an interesting guy. I first got into him because I, when I was like, I think I was 12, 13, 14, that kind of region, I used to like reading about interesting people and like the, the geniuses of history, like Da Vinci and Wittgenstein and all these people, because I wanted to know like how, how they saw the world. Um, and then at a particular point in time, I ended up uh, researching like the highest IQ people on the planet. And all these people like like Chris Langen, the famous um, doorman bouncer who has like a 200 IQ and, and another woman called Marilyn Vos Savant and like like the highest, I think, uh, Terence Tao, a mathematician, like the, the, the kind of child prodigies, what they ended up doing and what they ended up thinking. Because I thought it was really interesting to find out like, I don't really care like about the average person's opinion, but at the same time, it was quite interesting to find out about geniuses and like the way they see the world and stuff. And one of these guys is a guy called Rick Rosner. And he was probably one, one guy who fascinated me more than any of the others, because um, the interesting thing about him is he has a very quirky history. He's like a, 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 a he's like a script writer for a comedy show um, in the USA. But in his past, it's like a really fascinating thing. He did high school when he was like, um, I guess in America, it's like 16 to 18. He did high school, but he was really unsatisfied with his high school experience. Like he didn't, he didn't go on many dates with girls. He didn't have much fun. He didn't drink much. He didn't have many friends and stuff. So at the end of it, he was like, fuck, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't live it to the, to the full there. 
and high school is meant to be like the best experience of your life like the most kind of like um the most fun you can have he had this idea that high school should be this really fun thing and he felt like he fucked up so what he did is he he like um he managed to this was like in the 70s or the 60s by the way so quite a long time ago he managed to forge fake id documents to make himself 16 again and then he applied to another high school which was like uh, i think like 20 miles away and he just started high school again uh, being an 18 year old at 16 now and he took the whole thing again like for a year or two and then at the end of that high school experience now 20 he was again like hmm I lived it better this time, like I had more dates and stuff, but at the same time, I wasn't really satisfied with that. And then he, he went and forged another ID. I think he also said he snuck into schools and like forged their documents and stuff, like he managed to sneak in and, and like just like change their paperwork too at a few different places. But he forged another ID and then another ID and then another ID. And I think he took, you can look it up, like look up Rick Rosner, uh, R-I-C-K, and then O-R-O-S-N-E-R, Rick Rosner, um, high school. And you find articles. I think in total, he took it about 12 times. Like he finally graduated high school for the last time when he was about 32. <laughs> so he was in these classes, like as a 32 year old, pretending he was like 16, 17, 18. And he took it again and again and again. He describes like having to shave his beard like um, 20 times a day to make sure there was no like dark shadow or anything. Um, he just had this, he had this like obsession with having the perfect high school experience. And he finally achieved it at like 31, 32. Um, and then he just moved on, got a job or something. Um, so that was like his thing. And he, he just decided to go back and recomplete it. So yeah, when, when you talked, I thought about that. I thought like, maybe you just need to go back and like recomplete it because what's stopping you? He also worked as a stripper and uh, yeah, as yeah, a did. nude model. So you can also do that, Pantera, you know, that would be something interesting for you. But it's a fascinating story. It was like, for me, I, I, I like really respected it. It like a lot of people might say, oh, he's a pedophile, like being around kids and stuff. But he just had this like really romantic, idealistic vision of like the perfect high school experience. And then it was like he wanted to, re you know, like when you play a, a game or something and there's a time limit to complete it, like one of those speed running games or something like Sonic. I don't, I don't play any of these games. Like Pac-Man. Yeah. Like you do it again and again and again until you get like the perfect level. And maybe then you win. I think he had this idea, like a game-like idea. He just do it again and again and again until finally it's like he had a perfect run and then he's done with it. Right. So, I mean, was he like banging the, the, the cheerleaders or, or what? I'm confused. What's the perfect run? Well, I think it's, it's open, right? Like it's, it's down to what you think the perfect run is. I think like in your scenario, the only way you can really resolve this is by going back to that situation and taking some kind of action. You know, I could, I could maybe reach out to that girl now that we're both, you know, in our late forties, early fifties. And maybe just as she surpassed me in, in beauty and aesthetics, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I've, maybe I've caught up and, and have surpassed her now. And I can ask her to, to like maybe redo, redo like prom at least. I mean, I don't have, a, I don't have four years, but like maybe we could, we could go like to, to prom together. I'm, I'm just spitballing here, you know, just trying to think of, of good ideas. Um, I have a question and then do you feel inadequate? Um, you have like, like, 
low self-esteem or do you feel like happiness is um, below average? Um, yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell another story. Um, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, um, you know, I had never seen anybody else's penis, of course, uh, other than my own. And then when we played, when we played sports in high school, we had to, to shower together and, uh, my penis looks, looked different from everyone else's and we're, we're in America. Um, and it turns out that I didn't know that I was uncircumcised and, and everyone else in the school was circumcised. So they came up with this nickname for me. Uh, they called me the hooded, the hooded ninja and they made fun of my, my penis and, um, you know, they would, they would call me the hooded ninja. And it wasn't until I got to college and I started to, you know, experiment with, with different cultures and, and travel and, um, that, I, that I knew that, that I learned that actually the rest of the world, like outside of basically the, the locker room of the people, uh, from my hometown who, who like, you know, they, they work on like the road crew now for, for, uh, from my hometown. Um, so, so they never really had a chance to like, you know, leave um, that like little town. Um, but then I realized like the rest of the world's actually uncircumcised as well. And so, so I went from like the hooded ninja being like this bad thing to actually like this cool thing. And I, I would say, like, I would tell girls like, yeah, like, you know, I've got the Euro cut. Uh, I would tell them and, you know, we'd be dancing and, and I would tell them that and like kind of keep it mysterious and say like, I've got the Euro cut and people, um, you know, all of a sudden there'd be whispers in the crowd, like he's got the Euro cut and girls were like, what's the Euro cut? And, you know, they had to experience the Euro cut. And, um, and so it actually ended up becoming like this awesome thing for me. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how I, um, how I think about my, my penis nowadays is, is, you know, now, now it's come full circle, right. I've, I've kind of gone through like the hero's journey, right. I started as like, the hooded ninja and, and people pointed and laughed in high school. And, and, you know, I never really, um, I never really felt good about it. And then in college, um, I just got drunk and like showed it to people and like made it kind of like awesome, like the Euro cut, which, which in another way of itself is still kind of like, um, I think maybe a little self-conscious still though. Right. It's kind of like getting ahead of the self-consciousness in a different way. Um, but now that I'm, you know, now that I'm 47, I mean, uh, my, my penis barely works. So, you know, it's gone through the, the hero's journey. It's, it's, you know, it, for it to really, for me to even really think about it, it'd have to be like that scene in, you see in movies sometimes when, when someone's, you know, in the jungle and, uh, and like someone's adventuring to find them and, and they come through and they, they've got a machete and they're cutting through trees and limbs and they, they finally like get into this, this, this area, this secluded hut. And, you know, uh, the hooded ninja would have to turn and, and say to him, like, who are you? What are you doing here? And then, like, the, you know, the person would have to say, like, hey, we, we've heard, like, you got the Euro cut. And there's, a, like, we've got a job that only one man with the Euro cut can do. And then, you know, and then that would have to be, like, that would have to be basically, like, the, um, you know, the the epilogue or, or whatever, the, the movie to, like, end the movies, right? Like, when the actors are are too old. I feel like I'm rambling a bit. Um, this is becoming like a, a stream of my consciousness. Um, so mm -hmm. if anybody wants to 
if anybody I wants to interrupt. Questions, maybe I, I don't know when you finish talking. I'm sorry. I don't know. Honestly, can I give my ideas? Because I think so. You mentioned that your penis barely like works now. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. But I was gonna say, um, so maybe you're thinking of like your horniest time, which is high school, as like a way for it to work again. Oh, the with the with the recurring dream. You mean? Mm -hmm, yeah. It's it's possible. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, it, let's just put it this way. I'm not. I'm, it's not like I'm getting a lot of opportunities to use it. So it's not like I'm having uh, issues. I'm not having like uh, ED issues or something like that. It, it's it's just like an old. Uh, it's an old classic car that you keep in the garage to keep the dust off of it. Um, and, but it has probably, you know, at this point collected dust, but you occasionally you'll clean it, you know, give it a nice waxing. Um, but, but other than that, you know, I, I don't really take it out for a spin around the neighborhood, um, too often, you know, I, I mean, at this point, uh, it probably wouldn't even pass emissions, you know, the, the uh, just the regulatory environment with, with the old classic cars and the way that they, uh, you know, they're, they're a little, a little bit too loud, um, you know, um, they've got lead paint, things like that. I, you know, I'd be worried about, I'd be worried about pulling it out of the garage and, and, you know, really throwing it into, into third gear, uh, you know, especially in today's political climate. I just think that, uh, it's just safer to, you know, keep it in the garage and, and just give it a wax and, you know, once or twice a, a day. Um, how far are you from New York city? Because like, um, I'm feeling a bit lonely tonight. I think he must be shy or something. I don't know. But maybe we should change the topic and talk about something yeah. else. Pantera, you know when you go to McDonald's, Sarah, and there's that that like charity funnel thing where you put a coin in and it spins around the edge and then spins like faster and faster and faster. To yeah, like I love those things. I love them. What what are they called anyway? Do they have a name? Steffi, do you know? You're good at these terminology things. Do you know what we're talking about? To have them in America. You like, yeah, it's like some kind of like a, like it looks like a tornado. It's like your, your coin is like spinning around in circles. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like it falls into like a black it's hole. It's called a vortex wishing well. A vortex a wishing well. Yes. There you go. Yeah. I, I feel like when Pantera is speaking, he's, it's like he's in a, one of those wishing wells. It's like his, his words are like the coin going around the edge. And it's going faster and faster and deeper and deeper into like this, this like self-loathing and pity and, and I don't know, like depressedness. It's like falling into a void. Like as I listen to him deeply, it's like I'm falling into a void. And, and everything I've known about myself and my life is like just slipping away into like this, this void of eternal blackness. Um, so, yeah, that's what I feel. I always really wanted to like put other stuff inside those machines, like a... Like imagine like squirting a sauce and, <laughs> and then the person who has to fish out all the coins for charity gets his hands covered in like mayonnaise and ketchup. Like imagine how they would feel and knowing that you made that impact on the world. If you guys were going to put something inside a vortex wishing well that wasn't a coin, what would it be? Super glue. So all the coins were stuck together and then they'd never be able to pry them apart. But like that really, really, you know, that real, you know, you know, the kind of stuff that's made by the company that makes that crazy tape that you could patch, you know, a dam with. 
Although this is this is actually a deep insight into the mind of Zara, actually. Um, because actually, I I think I've uh, done what Zara just said. Pretty sure I threw ketchup down that thing. But anyway. <laughs> really, that's really cool. You know what, Sophie? You've got such a delightful assortment of life experience. It truly makes it um really fun for all of the listeners. I'm sure to hear all your different life experiences. And this is honestly one of the top three Sefi moments, in my opinion, from what I know of you. And number two is the when you hit that guy with your car and then you saved his life. Yeah, I, I try not to hit people in a car every day, but, uh, you know, it, the question is, like, did he realize that maybe um, that he, he was going to become, like, a story on Twitter spaces many years later? That's the question, right? He probably couldn't have considered that when he was riding his bike uh, down the street that day. Or for that matter, like, whoever is picking up those coins and whatever ketchup was down there. I think that's... I don't know why I just remembered this, Sarah, but for some reason you you just reminded me of something. Um, when I was at university, there was, at university there was like this this charity bookshop, and I used to go in there and like see the things that were in there. Um, oh, what's up? Let's put something in my mouth. Um, I used to see the things that were in there, and there was this huge section of like these trashy fucking um, erotic fiction books. Like, you know, when like an old woman is really fucking horny, maybe she's divorced or something and she needs like a thing to do. And she writes these fucking long, like erotic fiction books of like these. And on the covers were like, um, you know, like Viking warriors with a big sword and like maybe a bear and a big Viking warrior or something like, you know, the, like, you know, Thor the Conqueror or whatever the fuck else, like with these titles. And um one day I went in there, like I had some extra cash for, from work or something. And uh, these books were like 50p each. So I, I, I just like bought all of them. I bought like, uh, I think I bought like 80 books in total. And I just loaded my fucking backpack with all of these erotic fiction books. And then I was walking around with my friend. I think he went like halves with me or something. I was like, what should we do with these? I was like, I don't know. We'll find something to do with them. And, and um, I walked around my university, like near the buildings and stuff. It was summer, like the middle of summer, really hot. And it, I think it was about like 6.30 p.m. So all the lecturers had gone home, but all of their windows were slightly open. So like two, two stories up, three stories up, four stories up, um, all of the windows were like slightly open and inside were the offices to the lecturers. So I was like, let's play a game. Let's try and throw all of these books through the windows. So I opened my backpack, got a big pile of them, and then I started like throwing them to the first story window. And like for some magical reason, it went in like the first time. And I've got to explain like the, the windows only open a slit like they, you know, those windows that can open to the side, but you can also open them, like angle them. So that's there's exactly like, what I was imagining. And that's really impressive. Yeah, there's like a little slit. So it's only like, I don't know, like mm, six inches gap or something. So I'd have to like stand underneath them and throw them up like vertically. So they go into these windows. And like the, the very first time I did it with one of these trashy books, it like went straight in. I was like, mm, I'm onto a good thing here. And then I just walked along to the next window, to the next like professor's window and threw another one in and then another and then another. And then my friend was at it too. And then like, we must have done, I, I swear, between our bags, we had like at least 80 books and I threw them in like 80 separate windows. Um, and then I was like, okay, we're done. Like the mission is complete. So we went home. I think it took us like an hour or something to do it. Um, missed and like a load of them missed a load of times so like they're all torn up and shit but yeah then we went home and it was like just just this like really funny thing because the next day 
what must have happened is all of those lecturers and professors and people went into their offices and like <laughs> they would have had like some erotic fiction book on their floor, but like all of them, like every single one. So I, I reckon there would have been some situation where they like went to the staff room or something for lunch. And like one of them started telling a story like I found so-and-so. And then like all of them realize it's happened to every single one of them. <laughs> so I don't know why I came up with that story, but yeah, it's like, um, yeah, really funny. But like, let's say, let's say you were up in one of these offices, right? And you were one of the people that received one of these books. You'd read the book, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's what I was thinking. I'd fucking oh, read it. It's oh, like yeah. it's not just like silliness, but it's also kind of joyous. Like I imagine them all reading it, and I also imagine that in some of the the rooms, I'd thrown it at such an angle that it like landed perfectly on their desk, like waiting for them. Um, so that like some of them accused other people of getting into their room and stuff. So they definitely just thought that somebody went into their office and just passed out erotic literature. Exactly. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, I think uh, lecturers are sort of the main demographic for those books, so it probably sort of just spiced up their day. I don't imagine there was any negative I just remember another one. I just I did so much fucking stuff like this at university, Zara. Um, like, I would sneak into buildings late at night, and um, there would be like a corridor of lecturers, like all of the professors' offices are along a corridor. And I'd like identify the biggest office, which would usually be in the corner of the corridor. And I'd take their name tag, like on the door, and I'd go put it like on a smaller door. And then I'd take the name tag on the smaller door and I'd move it to the bigger office. Then I'd like, I'd get a piece of paper and I'd write on it like, this is my office now. You've had this big office for long enough. <laughs> You've had the big office for long enough. It's mine now. And I'd like I'd I get like a Lego sellotape with me and stuff, and I'd like like mega tape the paper, you know, like not just up, not just like you know when you're sticking a piece of paper to a door, you could easily just like do one strip of sellotape right at the top and it would hang down. I I I did strips all throughout the thing, like like twenty strips, <laughs> like really aggressively, like this is my office now. So I, I I never like saw the conflicts, but just the the idea, like the imagination, of the conflicts, just like really satisfied me. I was doing that stuff all the time. Well, I remember one time I was, I think I was like freshman in high school and I was with a buddy of mine and back then everybody had like flip phones and you, you couldn't lock it, right? It's just, you flipped it open and it was, it was on. Um, and we're, we're sitting in the locker room for gym class and the, I guess there was a class going on and he opens a locker and he finds this phone and he's like, Hey, watch this. And he flips to, um, mom in the text. This is kind of fucked up. He flips to, to mom in the text and he says, hey, I just found out dad's been cheating on you. We need to talk and, and sends the text. And then he took a picture of his balls and posted it as the background and then put it back in the locker. And then we just went to class and we have no idea. We have no idea whose phone that was. So, yeah, that just imagine the left conflict left. that we started on that one. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I just watched him do it. I'm not I wouldn't be that evil, of course. I mean you could have lied and said it was you, and then we would all think, oh Pantera, what a cool guy. But now we're just <laughs> you're like a sidekick, like Luigi or something. Yeah. I just I just exactly. <laughs> oh, I thought of another thing. In my in my university, in my department, there used to be whenever you'd submit an essay, you'd print it out and then you put it in this like this kind of letterbox thing, right? And it would drop down into like a bigger chamber. And um, next to the letterbox, there was like an essay submission form. And you, so you'd print out your essay and then you'd, you'd write on the essay submission form, like your name and your, your student number 
and uh, I think your word count or something else, and then you'd staple it to your essay. So what I did is like for all of for, for like a bunch of times for my friends, I'd submit their essays for them. Like I'd like print out like weird poems and shit, like 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 um poems of like a really bad breakup, and then I'd go to the essay submission area and I'd get the the piece of paper like the essay submission template. And I'd staple it on and then I'd write like, you know, my name is like, um, you know, Ollie Smith or whatever. And, uh, and you know, I, I was, and I'd, I'd explain the story on the submission form. I was like, I've just been going through a really bad breakup. So I didn't really have time to write like a proper essay, but I've just submitted this because, you know, I was emotional and, you know, this is what I created in that, in that experience of emotion. So like, I know it's not the right thing, but I'm hoping you can be compassionate because this is like a psychology department after all. <laughs> I'd be really like <laughs> trying to trying to guilt trip them and stuff. And then I'd write his name and I'd get his student number. Like like a few days before, I'd ask him if I could look at his student ID and then I'd like memorize the number and quickly write it down afterwards. He didn't know what I was doing. Um, and then, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like put, the, put the, um, the poems in and stuff. And then like later on, he complained. He'd be like, the lecturer said like something was in the box. Do you know who did that? And I was like, no, no, no. It must be somebody who, who you annoyed in the past. <laughs> and I get him like paranoid about somebody fucking up with this stuff. I don't know why, but you saying that really reminded me of like my GCSE maths exam. So like GCSEs are like, you know, English is like a, when you're like 15 or after you take exams, like standard tests. And um, it was like my maths class and my school was really bad. So I just answered the questions I knew. And then like it took me like, I don't know, 20 minutes out of like the hour and a half or something. And then I just wrote a really long story about a guy that killed himself because he was depressed because of his maths exam. <laughs> and um, and some, and like just spanning across all of the different pages because you had to sit there anyway. You couldn't leave early. And then um, even though I didn't submit enough to probably get a pass in that specific exam i got it back and i had like a like a 75 which wasn't physically possible so even though they're meant to be standardized so i genuinely think some random teacher read it like the story and gave me a good mark i don't know just reminded me but i'm surprised you did it by paper in your uni surprise you know you know when you're in college uh doesn't it make you uh like the people that are really, really like holier than thou, right? Like, oh, you shouldn't do this, and oh, you shouldn't do that. Those people make me nervous, right? You know, what I'm talking about the ones that, like, they not only do they not have 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 fun, but like, you know, everything that you do is sort of like considered inappropriate or like unethical or some shit. Like, oh, you know I about? I had a so my third years of college, I got paired up because one of my friends was a was like a fucking baby basically and he couldn't do anything without his parents helping him and we all had to sign up for like housing together and in he just couldn't submit his form like in time so he we ended up me and my buddy got paired up with a random and the way the housing was the random lived below us and we lived like up in this loft area and so we meet this guy and he is literally a, a pastor. Like we're, we're, we're like, what are you into? And he's like, Oh, I'm, I like preaching and, you know, do, giving sermons and not like he talked like that. I'm not even fucking exaggerating it. He was a character and we're like, okay, well, <laughs> I don't know how this is going to work because we were like very much into partying all night <laughs> and whatever that meant. And so I remember we would come home at, you know, from the bars or whatever, after they close and they'd close at two and then you'd be out till two thirty, pissing around on the street or whatever, come home, 
do God knows what upstairs above him until, you know, four or 5 a.m., sometimes until the sun goes up. And then as punishment, I would hear him. We, we would finally fall asleep. And as punishment, we would, I could hear him like preaching as loud as he could to like wake us up, to wake us up. I would, I would hear his voice like, oh, Lord, wash this building of these sins. For, so we were like, fuck, we can't, we can't party at our apartment anymore because we're going to get the Sunday morning or the Saturday morning service from this fucking crazy guy who lives below us. So, yeah. So uh, yeah. I, I had a similar experience because back in the days I had a studio, a music studio in my, in my home with a couple of friends. And below us, we had this crazy old uh, woman who at, you know, at two in the morning, just to do some kind of shit like what, what like the pastor did, uh, she will start doing the Ave Maria uh, and put it all, you know. Beautiful song. Yeah, but it was like, oh, Maria. Wait, she but was she was like playing, so she was playing it or she was singing it? No, she she was she was playing it because she was old, but, uh, you know, like she put it all, the volume up, like all the all the way up and everybody in the in the fucking uh apartment was going crazy you know because it was two in the morning and we couldn't just like shut her up we will call the police but uh <laughs> like the, the police was like dudes weren't you the guys that she called <laughs> before uh, like to get rid of you and we we're like yeah but this crazy woman she's going like like really crazy you know it's like two in the morning and she's just playing this ave maria like what the fuck Please calm her down. <laughs> and, so she was and, she was actually out partying you guys. Like you guys were going yeah. hard and then she was like, fuck you, I'm playing Ave Maria. Yeah, she 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 was a rock star, bro. <laughs> eventually, um, eventually she'd stop doing that shit. Cause we were playing like a uh, hip hop. Uh, like we, you know, we we couldn't left that battle alone. So we will start playing hip hop music like uh, all, all the way up that we could. But uh, it was a battle, like constant battle, you know, hip hop, Tupac, Dr. Dre versus Ave Maria. Shit. That was some crazy times. Do you see yeah. yourself as like the good guy in this story? Um, I'm not sure. Well, I, no, I the, think the, like the Ave more Maria like, is the clear symbolism that you're yeah. on the side of evil there, Midas. <laughs> Probably. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not that Jesus friendly, but... Um, like she, she, she was. So you know, perhaps I was wrong, and I'm gonna go to hell. Yeah. yeah. See, the, this kid that lived below us, like he, he was straight up screaming, preaching. There was no music. There was no amplifier. I mean, he was going hard, and it was funny because he would get. He, he I, I guess it was something that he did a lot. I mean, he was, he was actually good at it. But I mean, it's what woke us up on a couple weekends, and he would get oddly specific. Like he, he would go. And and the and we need to clear the sins of this house and whatever the thumping was at three sixteen a.m. last, like saying shit like that, like which was very. This dude is literally saving your us. soul, and you're making yeah. fun of him on his face. You're one step closer to heaven because of him, and yet you mock him ruthlessly, and you expect us to laugh emoji at this? No, uh, no. Uh, actually, I was going to say my buddy would then get get kind of upset and he was like a total meathead and he was like dude that's kind of bullshit that he's being very specific about and waking us up and i was like i don't know man we kind of did come home and like party all night and played super loud music i mean directly above him it wasn't even like a different apartment it was the same apartment we used the same entrance um no i'm not really looking for laughing emojis i'm just i'm just reminiscing on good times zara so not sure what you think this is 
So, so like, so the the reason I brought up this uh, concept, right, like (laughs) this holier than thou kind of thing, um, I had this really sort of weird experience. Like, I kind of am one of these people that like sort of like do what I want, where I want, when I want, and just like don't give a shit. Pretty irreverent. Like, for example, like so. So here's like what happened. Like, so I was in. um, So, so when you go to uh, like medical school, what happens is is that like you uh you have like maybe like t- class of like 200 something like that and um you you sort of get like assigned like um activities and like different labs and things classes position like certain rooms that you kind of have small groups in based on your last name so you'd have like um you know you're you're in a category you're categorized essentially like so that you know there's some like fair way to distribute who's who right like so that so anyway we 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 uh so it's not like you sort of like meet your friends not because maybe like they're the most compatible with you or maybe um, these are the people you normally hang out with because, you know, you, you whatever, for whatever reasons. Right. You initially meet a bunch of people who are like different ages than you and different, um, you know, like different uh, uh, completely backgrounds. Right. Like you're, it's almost like your forced diversity almost is like what happens there. Right. And um, so. Uh, if you recall, like, like, you know, I was super young when I started, I was like, uh, 19 when I started school and like pretty much everyone else is like something like 22 ish. Right. Like, like I couldn't even like go to a bar basically, um, at this age. And anyway, uh, the, um, so I used to do like shit, like, you know, like sleep when I felt like in the middle of class and like, you know, I didn't really, you know, need to pay attention that much. Like I could always read the stuff afterwards and I'd fall asleep sitting there. And maybe like, uh, you'd, you know, like you guys have been like seeing what like anatomy lab might look like where there's like a cadaver and you're like doing dissecting and stuff. And there's this, uh, like I'll walk in late and I'll show up. Cause like, you know, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, look, all the people are doing the dissection for me. So I just like show them what to do. <laughs> like, I'm not that interested in becoming a surgeon or whatever. So I'm like, uh, fine with, you know, other people doing the work. And I walk in with like a bag from McDonald's. You're not supposed to eat in this thing because there's like formaldehyde and whatnot, right? So like here I am, like eating a Big Mac, you know, from like McDonald's next door and whatnot. And um, you know, and so there's this guy, and um, he's kind of like uh, this tight laced, um, you know, like uh, sort of character. He's sh- like I'm here, like in a, you know, some sort of like, uh, you know, I've got some like alternative music like t-shirt on you know some jeans and whatever i'm just kind of relaxed just hanging out you know, couldn't give a shit like uh, about being like quote-unquote professional and all that right and this guy um was always at like you know these people that are come to school they're like fully buttoned up like you have no reason to be like um you know you know so like uh like trim and proper or whatever like in the middle of school so and this guy is the type of person he, he'd show up and he'd say oh like yeah. You know, oh, you're eating in the the thing. Like, oh, you're gonna break the rules, and we're gonna get like a bad grade, or you're, we're gonna. You're, that's so inappropriate, and all this kind of shit, right? Really, like, kind of a uh, like, just you know, like he, the guy can't, you know, he can't cut loose. He can't uh, kind of play, have fun, or whatever, right? Uh, so, like, yeah, did I have to go and like eat in the gross lab? No, but like, then we wouldn't have the story, right? So, um, <laughs> so anyway, he uh, so this is the kind of guy he is just, this is kind of like the groundwork for like the type of person this is, right. This holier than thou guy that everything is like, you know, Oh, you're breaking the rules and this kind of shit. Um, so like, you know, 
I was like, yeah, you know, I, I should probably listen to him. I'm probably going to like kicked out of school or some shit, or like maybe I'm going to have to be dragged into the principal's office or whatever you call it. And, uh, you know, and, uh, berated or something. And, um, and, you know, we do all these little pranks and stupid shit and just have fun. And, and, uh, a, a few of my friends that like are a little bit more like my vibe, you know, uh, we do all sorts of pranks and nonsense. Right. And then, um, uh, one, so years later, um, like, you know, because we kind of knew this guy pretty, like we thought reasonably well, a couple of years later, he shows up, we're at a restaurant and, uh, he invites everyone to a restaurant and, um, he's like, oh yeah, I'm marrying this like uh, wedding photographer chick. And we're like, wait, who? Like, who is this? Like, this is like chick that just showed up out of nowhere. And uh, we're like, okay, um, okay, fine, fine. And then we eventually went to this guy's wedding and everything. And there was this like, we're like, we don't even know who this girl was. And she just came, came out of nowhere. Fine. Um, so basically, uh, he, uh, we, we go back later on, we, like, we just graduated, actually. And we go back, we go to this wedding and it's like, okay, we, we have a nice, um, uh, you know, we have a nice thing at the wedding and everything. And then like, uh, like a couple of years go by after that. So this is just gives you groundwork for approximately how well I knew this guy. And, uh, my, my friend calls and like, he and I like joke a lot, like just kind of fucking around and he calls and he says, Oh dude, you're not going to believe, um, like, uh, what happened to this guy? And he, you know, he says his name and everything. And I don't want to get into that, but like, you're not going to believe what happened to this guy. And I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, you know, did he die? Like this guy had like kind of high blood pressure and this and that, I thought maybe like something happened to him. And, um, it's like, you know, waiting for bad news. And then he goes, no, like go look it up online. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? So I find out like the guy has been arrested and there was a big like international, uh, I'm not international or national or whatever you call it, like the FBI thing, sting operation for capturing people that had like, I don't know, I guess child porn on their computer or some shit. And this guy gets uh, sent to court, locked up. And um, I'm like, shit, like you're like, you're upset about me eating a fucking hamburger next to a dead body. And like, here you are like getting <laughs> like locked up by the FBI or whatever in a, in a federal prison or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, but this is the kind of like people I don't trust. Like I'm like I don't think I, you know. So when people come on and like they virtue signal and they say a bunch of bullshit, I'm like, wait, what are you hiding? That's kind of like my mentality after that experience. Anyway, wait, was his was his wedding photographer girlfriend or wife in on it too? What was? Oh, I forgot to mention. Yeah, the reason I mentioned this this lady was um, because when um, what what happened was. Um, when the guy was at his like arraignment or whatever the hell you call it, you know, where you go and um, when the, 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 you sit in front of like the court to, to like kind of, uh, you know, get sentenced and all, they showed a picture of his supposed wife. And it wasn't the woman we went to the wedding of. We're like, who the fuck is this woman now? <laughs> like, so it's like, so I don't know what happened, like that girl and this, like, so I think maybe like he has this like, whatever it is the fetish or whatever the fuck he has this craziness and like and i think he just sort of like marries just to kind of like hide the fact that he is this type of person uh just to like show this like face in the community that like he's just a like you know a proper character and all this sort of things so, yeah it's pretty creepy but like that's why that woman like sort of remind like it's like a strange thing i'm like why did he suddenly like bring this woman to marry with like it was the weirdest thing too she wasn't even like this guy which is strange so i think he's like sort of like it's like his own like virtue signaling or some shit like it was weird like 
yeah, after that, I'm like, <laughs> anytime I have someone that's too, too, like people come in these spaces, right? And we're fucking around, we're talking nonsense and like, you know, <laughs> saying funny shit about who knows what. And like people come in and like get all judgmental, like as if, uh, you know, they're like this perfect human and all this stuff that those kind of people make me nervous because of this character. I'm like, what, what do you got to hide? What the hell's wrong with you? Like, you know, like many people like a little bit more of an open book, I would say, right? Like if you're going to mess around, you're going to like poke fun, whatever, do it. Like, but like this idea that like, oh, you're so like, you're amazingly holy and everyone's like, you know, I, I don't know. These people make me nervous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one of the most fun, friendly, and open people I know is um, Addy, and she just joined back. So, hi, Addy, missed you. Hi, guys. What are you? What are you? The connection's cutting out a little bit. But I don't know. No sorts. Yeah, it was kind of a crazy story about uh, a weird character. Yeah, you guys were still on. So, oh, sorry. This has become like a daily thing for me now, which is quite strange. Um, I don't know. I, it was a, a a space I never thought I'd end up slipping into, but um, mm. it's kind of like my bedroom ritual now. What happened? And I actually ordered myself some. Sorry, gone. I said, "What? What happened?" It happens to everyone, I think, in these spaces. They join and they're like, "What the fuck are these guys? Why? Why are they talking about these things?" And then they just keep coming back, and then like. Uh, even the people who listen down below and have been here many times, they'll occasionally pop up and they'll be like, fuck, like, I don't know why I listen to you guys, but I'm, I'm listening to you guys like on long, on long journeys and stuff. And I keep listening every night and, and I, I feel like you guys are my friends and, um, and I love you guys. We get these love confessions a lot. It's very strange. Yeah. It's, it's sweet though. Like all the love confessions are really nice from everyone. Um, and I love everyone too. I was going to say something, but I forgot. Uh, yeah. Did I did I see a tweet from someone earlier that was like totally freaking out on Luke Dow, and then five minutes later, completely changes tune? Was that a real thing? Yep. Yeah, that was Diamond Hands. Yeah, we were able to clarify with Diamond Hands like what the legitimate uh, purpose of these spaces are. Right? He thought like we were all just like freaks or something. <laughs> It's pretty funny. We actually were able to convert him. It was impressive. Well, he, he thought that we were doing conflict and drama for no reason, or maybe for our own amusement or something childish like that. But then when he came in and he saw um, a conflict emerge from righteousness and protecting women and uh, fighting the fight against misogynists, then he kind of changed his mind. Mm. Yes. It's Truly. A to see someone grow, develop, and learn, and change their views um, in a positive way. It really is. I agree, Zara. In the background, I've got, like, some video playing that has, like, waterfalls and mountains and, like, clouds and, like, little monkeys playing and all sorts of... It's a sort of nature thing, so I'm just kind of, like, soaking that in while I'm, like, you know, chit-chatting. <laughs> I think that's a really good thing to do. Honestly, one of my favorite things mm. about the internet is that you can just like type in like rainforest HD and then you can just watch a video going through the rainforest. Like imagine if you showed that to anyone further than like three generations back. Like none of your bloodline could ever look at pictures like videos of monkeys like infinitely practically. Um, yeah, I think I, I think it's weird. Like I think we live in like one of the most interesting times like 
ever, right? Like, it's interesting how depressed a lot of people get about shit. Like, when, uh, like, you don't have to be particularly wealthy, but you have access to, like, things that, like, kings and queens and, uh, like, emperors or whatever did not have, like, not even, like, 50 years ago, right? Just crazy. And um, it's, like, instead of feeling incredibly rich, people feel, like, for some reason, just incredibly poor for reasons that are inexplicable. Um, like, if I had this shit when I was a kid, holy shit, I'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> I feel like it's uh, it's really it just shows that so much is just in the mind. I mean, in England, you can be like very poor on like you know the very bare minimum of what anyone here earns, and you can still go to the supermarket and like get food that kings wouldn't have been able to get in the past, and consume like or make things, and you know the world is literally your oyster, and. and it's really strange how people don't seem to capture that. Like they rather just wallow in their own self pity. But luckily, nobody in this space is like that, and everyone here is really swag, including Kate, who's now a speaker. Welcome. Hello. I just woke up like three minutes ago. How are you guys? Good. What time is it in that place that you are? Like pretty late. <laughs> Bruce, are you still listening to the same music? Some kind of like trance collection. I don't know what it is. It's in the background. Playlist. Okay. Not my own playlist. It's just YouTube. I thought maybe you're you're just like uh, addicted or something. No, I listen to a lot of that stuff though, like trance and um, yeah, drum and bass and euphoric progressive trance and stuff, EDM shit. Yeah, do, do you like have a list of things? I, I got to get your list then, because maybe you have uh, no. a list of some of your favorites or something. Mm, yeah, I, I can provide that, but I'm more interested in your list. I think it would be good if like part of your Twitter was like posting music playlists. <laughs> I think nobody would expect it. it. Could be quite funny. Is Sophie just not talking? I just kind of disconnected. Sure. Something happened. Like the, the app just closed, and now I just luckily I got was able to reconnect before dumping everybody. Yeah, you were saying about music. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like I've, um, like my brother and I are kind of like obsessive about um, these kind of like the, this idea of like music curation, right? Like this concept of like, so let's say there's an album and has like you know certain songs on it, right? Like if uh it if it doesn't deserve our attention long term right like we're pretty good about like deleting the rest of it right we don't keep all of this so this idea is like you're you're constantly trying to whittle down almost like a carving like of a piece of wood where you're trying to like you're kind of building this like neat little like uh like perfect collection kind of idea at least in our minds like what what we think that is right it's so it's yeah it's kind of fun uh yeah i get i get into that quite a bit hmm when you talk about your brother, you always kind of imply you're roughly the same age. Is that true? Like, yeah, there's about a four-year difference. And uh, it's interesting, actually, compared to, like, maybe a lot of twins or something like that, we're, like, extraordinarily similar. So it's, like, like music taste or whatever. Like, it, it almost doesn't matter what it is. Like, very, very similar in so many ways as far as, like, what we like and what we don't. Uh, yeah, it's it's an, it's uh, it's kind of uncanny. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's, it's actually very fortunate. Like, it's... Um, like uh i think not all siblings kind of have that like it's uh it's uh it, it's 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 really fortunate to be able to have that experience in a sense because sometimes you know you have that with like a, a brother or sister and other times you have like that 
um, maybe that connectedness with friends or with a spouse or whoever. Right. But it's like everyone, I think it's, everyone has to have at least like that one person maybe, and it doesn't have to be someone, uh, you know, romantic or whatever, but like, like that one kind of like, uh, you know, like, I don't know what you want to call it. Like kind of super friend or whatever, like that, that, uh, that kind of ha- shares your vibe and kind of has that like, uh, maybe life experience with you or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Did he follow the same path then? Or is he, uh, my, my intuition would be that he went into business or something rather than medicine. Is that correct? No, actually he, he, he did as well, <laughs> but he, uh-huh. he actually had a really more fortuitous like route. Like he, uh, he got really like depressed and uh, for a period of time in college, he's like this, there was this like this girl he liked and uh, things uh, didn't go well. And I don't know, he, he was kind of obsessing about her for some reason. Anyway. So like he, he kind of got like got off the beaten path and he did this crazy like thing where um, like, I don't know, he kind of dropped out for a while and then he went to, to the like Himalayas and shit and roamed around in like, you know, Tibet and whatnot for like, kind of like what you did sort of, so he'd like, you know, he had this like Sherpa guide and shit. And I don't know what he was doing there, but he like went out for like three weeks or something. He had like shin splints like you wouldn't believe because he's like walking literally on mountains and crags and whatnot for weeks without any training whatsoever. Right. It's fucking crazy. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, all sorts of weird crap. But he was kind of like uh, sort of went through this like mental phase where he he wasn't well and just wasn't really thinking straight. And then like he, he stayed there um, for a period of time. And then he kind of like then he moved to like, um, like an Island in the Caribbean and eventually like, like signed up for some medical school there and did this whole thing. And, uh, like just sat basically on an Island with like just ocean all around, just like almost nothing there. Um, yeah. So he had kind of this like different experience in me for sure. Like I had the other way around, like I was super efficient with everything, just got done with all the shit and just like, you know, started living my life. But, but with, with him, he was like, he just went through this long fortuitous path, but like outside of that, like, difference in experience like we're super super similar which is which is interesting like when we were in like high school uh no like when i was in college and uh headed out to like we drive to different cities and things and go to like uh different uh events like you know like drum and bass events and things like that i like the same kind of music um and uh we'd go and like go to some different events and things and then he like he'd be in high school but we'd drag he'd come along with us right like all of other friends so he he really kind of like had a lot of the same experiences and such. Um, and like, you know, like, you know how some, some siblings like, like, you know, Oh, you're too young. You don't, you're not going to hang out with us, this kind of thing. But like, you know, he was kind of really, uh, he liked to just kind of hang out with us and I took him wherever, like it didn't bother me at all, uh, that he was younger or whatever. We just (laughs) figure it out and go, um, yeah, it's it's just really fun. Cause we didn't really go to a lot of like formal, you know, how like, uh, clubs that are like run by, you know, where they kind of card you and all that shit. Right. Like a lot of these events were like warehouses and, you know, whatever. Like, so like, it wasn't like there was like a gatekeeper there. You could just go take whoever you wanted to. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, like had a lot of like good times together. So I think that, um, you know, like you maintain that closeness when, uh, when, uh, you do stuff together like that. Hmm. You say, okay, what ways would you like if you were to say you were different in some way what would it be like you say you're very similar but are there like things that stand out like belief systems or something that are different no not at all i mean he's got like if you know me you almost know him it's like very very similar i don't know um interesting yeah it's like uh, i don't know that there's a like really standout differences in all seriousness like besides the fact that he's younger that's about it 
Like, do you think that would have been the case if he hadn't been around you a lot? Do you think you somehow like brainwashed him a bit into your way of thinking? Yeah, I think some of it's that. Uh, I think a little bit. Of, there's always some of that, right? Like, I think so. But at the same time, it was like he was separated from me for almost like maybe, let's say, like um, a good ten years. And then ultimately, what happened is, is that like uh, he eventually moved back to where I am and sort of like, he lives basically across the street from me, like his, his house, my house are right there. So the kids get to play and like run back and forth, you know, like, I like this idea, like when your family, um, because we don't have like huge families anymore. You know how like people used to have like five brothers and sisters and shit, like huge families. Right. So when you have like, just like me and him, it's like, it makes sense to have like the kids be able to play together and hang out and stuff like that. And it's, uh it's nice to be close to, to like, like, perp- like we purposefully made sure that like we stayed close together at that point. Um, so it's like, a, it was a specific choice. It was like, you know, yeah, we could go and do jobs in other places or do whatever. Right. But we specifically chose that, which is kind of, which is pretty cool. It's been fun. Yeah. This um, is cool. Coach, do you have any, <clears throat> do you have any siblings? Maybe. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell. I like being guest, and people say wildly different things. Yeah, like I mean, Katie guest. I had like ten sisters, which was weird. <laughs> um, I think you're an only child, probably. Sorry, I'm outside. I'm thinking only child, but I'm not sure. Or no, one sibling, like one of each. No, he's an only child. Like middle or 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 like what? Youngest. I'm the youngest. Yeah. What does that mean? Does, does that mean I was protected by others? The the reason I say that is because, like, the reason I think only child is because uh, as long as I've heard you speak, right? Like, I haven't heard of anything. Like, you've, you've talked about a lot of different things, but you never said anything specific, like, specific family related. And mm, but I haven't that's said, why. Like, I, I've started a load of businesses. I don't think I've ever spoken about what they are. Like, I'm, I'm a little bit yeah. like, I try to stand on. So, yeah, I, sure, exactly. The only reason I say youngest is because um, I feel like it's not coddled, but it's like uh, when you're the youngest, you kind of um, you kind of just focus on vibing, and you've maybe seen your older siblings do stuff, and then you decide like, okay, I'm going to focus on vibe maxing, and I feel like that's kind of you. Oh yeah, maybe Kate's right. Hmm. The youngest one vibe maxes. What does the oldest one do then? Um, they tend to sort of set the paths at the green. Um, bit of an alpha vibe. It's like alpha, beta, sigma. That's the order. Three children. Interesting. What about you, Katie? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have a lot of siblings. Actually, I have seven. I come from like, I have step-siblings, half-siblings, full-siblings. I have like a big Midwestern family, so it's pretty fun. That's really cool. Do you have any of them you're really close with, like Sephula's brother, or? Are you more just sort of, you know, chill with all of them? No, I think we're actually, like, all pretty close. Like, especially my two older sisters. Um, my brothers, too. Yeah, we're all just, like, close, kind of, in our own. We all have, like, our own dynamics and stuff. It's fun. Yeah, it's really nice. I can't imagine being an only child. I what about you, Zara? Uh, I've got a brother and a sister. And I was just out with my sister. Um there just before I got on the space and we just went on a walk and um yeah like we just really understand each other and we're best friends really. I mean we both have our own best friends, other 
people and stuff, but like sisters, sisters, you know. And it's the same with Sefi, like uh, music taste and all sorts of things. And sometimes we work together in the family restaurant. <laughs> Everyone asks if we're twins, <laughs> even though we're not. But um, the way I think we carry ourselves and talk, even sound on the phone, like, people call, they're like, oh, hi, is this Hannah? What's my sister's name? I'm like, no, it's yeah, my if, if, if you heard my, If you heard my brother speak, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between myself and him, almost for sure. Like, it would take you a while to sort it out. I'll tell you what would be funny, Sefi, if you had, like, a, a challenge with your brother where you, you each take turns doing spaces and stuff. And it's like an ongoing thing where, where like sometimes you'll repeat yourself, like you say the same story twice and we'll be like, hmm, hang on a minute. Has, has he really forgotten that he told the same story twice or is it just Sefi's brother this time? We could have a sibling space where we just all get our siblings to talk instead of us and we just sort of all listen remotely, see what happens. I like um, it when the background get involved, like um, the Ukraine crane guy's wife. It's like, come speak. He's <laughs> with drunk and stuff. Come speak. It's like she's got some Russian name or something. It's like, hello, uh, hello, I don't know what this is. Oh, that's so cute. No, I'm still waiting for uh, Addy to um, like, like to rope us into a conversation with some character that she has, uh, you know, out at a restaurant or at a bar or something. I think that'd be pretty funny. Although it's it's kind of weird, right? Like, what are these little cartoon characters on this phone? And like, like who am I talking to? It'd be pretty weird. Like it's like coach when you mentioned you went to the grocery store and there's like you're on speakerphone or something and people are like, yeah, Why are yeah. all these different voices coming out of this phone? You're having like a Zoom conference or some I shit. Do, I do a thing, like I, I had some um I had some like cognitive behavioral therapy one time for like depression and the woman was like, You're a you're a counterphobic and I was like, What's that? And she was like, Oh, it's somebody who goes towards fear. Like whenever they, they feel something fearful, they like go towards it deliberately like in a kind of compulsive way, like too much sometimes. And I was like, that's interesting, because it was like the other day when I was in the supermarket, my, um, I had my, my phone on like quite quiet. And, and I realized like I was trying to hide the fact that I was speaking to you guys. So like when I noticed that impulse in myself, I put it up to max. So I was like walking around, like blasting my fucking speakers off. <laughs> Just because I was like judging myself for being a pussy for not doing it. I was like, all right. You gotta, you gotta fucking do it now. Like, show the world what you're doing. So I turned it up to the max and walked around Tesco's with it. That's funny. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, you're, you're sort of like self-analyzing what's your behavior as you go along, and yeah, just kind of like have to modify that. It's like um, part of it's just like amusement. It's like just funny. Part of it's kind of like a. It's I think it started kind of like a warrior thing. Whenever I'd have a fear, like I'll give you an example of things I've done in the past. Like when I was younger. Um, uh, went on holiday and I found this really high cliff, like mm, like 15 meters up, like good 45 feet or so up. And I just, it was above the water. And I decided to just not leave until I jumped off. And I stood there for like eight hours, like eight and a half hours um, until I finally got the courage. Like it was fully dark. Everyone had gone home and everything um, to the, like my parents had gone to the apartment nearby and stuff. And I just like stood there until I finally got the courage to jump off. Thing, the kind of thing I do like I'll make a decision to do something and then I just like even if I'm really really afraid or it will take ages that I'll just do it anyway um eventually like it's yeah I've always had that kind of weird um I don't know what it is like a weird like there's no way out like it's not possible for me to get out of it no matter how long it takes and and like um 
yeah, if there's any kind of fear or something, I'll like do the opposite in a really big way, like in an almost ridiculous way. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's like I, I, I don't feel free, so I just want to run at it somehow. It's quite interesting. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I mean, I've never walked around uh, Tesco with the speaker on, but like uh, maybe next time, I don't know, might try out in co-op and Lidl and um, maybe M&S and just sort of see if I get any friends through it. Cause maybe like people listening will ch- sort of tune in in real life and then I'll have like a, a, a side character, you know, and like maybe they'll start regularly visiting the space and eventually, I don't know, it would attract a certain type of people in the supermarket. I think that could be powerful. Mm. By the way, Sefi, Rune has pumped since we bought it. Oh, what happened? Well, it went up to 1.8 when I last looked. I bought it like 1.68. I don't know what it is now. Mm, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll tend, it'll tend to do that. That's funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's like <laughs> the rune is dead discussion. Actually, it's funny because like uh, the people are looking for that comment, right? Like they're looking for people to that say that, and then all of a sudden they go and jump in. So, like, yeah, the question is, did you make it move by saying it was stupid? Probably. I, it's just it's. I, I like saying things like that as well because they're really fucking like, like how do you handle a guy that does that? Like, imagine if the rune team comes into the space and they're like. Why are you saying it's dead? Why are you attacking us? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I love dead projects. Like, when a coin is dead, it has the most potential. Like, like, what do you do when a guy says shit like that? There's like nowhere to go. It's so impossible. It's like a horrible chess game. It's like it's 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 funny. Like people come with with ego and like reactivity to you, and then you just like flip around like positions. You're suddenly like playing a tennis match, but you're on both sides, and uh, often you're on the same side. And then you can make somebody else the enemy. Like you both, it's it's just like a, I don't know. It's just funny for me. Well, but, the, but these people that build these things, right? There's kind of this idea that it's like kind of almost like an art project, right? They they see that like this is kind of like a a beauty yeah. of their life's work or some shit, right? So it's like they get. It's almost like saying, "Well, your painting is ugly" or something like that, right? Like yeah, to yeah. an artist. But yeah. it's mostly it's mostly people who bought a fuckload at five dollars. And they see their investment going down, 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 down. Now it's like 1.7. They're like, Jesus fucking Christ, this better fucking go up. And, and they're like desperately trying to join all these spaces and do podcasts and like talk about it to everyone. They're like, Rune is the future, cross-chain liquidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Integration's coming. And they're telling everyone in, on discords and shit. And they're like trying to fucking like, come on, i got to 3X this. Then I'll break even at least and get my money out. Uh, and then like somebody on Twitter's like, it's dead. <laughs> And it's like, if you look on Twitter, if you search for it, it's like the top tweet. You know, when you look, you, there's like little categories, top and latest. It's like at the top. So like everyone is seeing it now. There were like 700. It's the most uh, likes and retweets Rune has got in years. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're like. It's <laughs> funny. That is funny. Yeah. Like, uh, did you see what happened when, remember we were in that spaces, right? And I sort of sent a tweet to the, the Binance people. And um we're like, I said, oh, we're going to vote to like shut down Binance's system or wallet or whatever, right? And um, that thing got more like tweets and likes than like anything in the history of anything I've ever posted. It's like, like almost like what, six, seven hundred times or something. It's just weird. Like uh, people like controversy. They like to like gin up, uh, like gin up chaos. Essentially. I do. They like this. You know, the, 
the the idea I came up with to blacklist the Binance wallet. Like it was funny to see the reaction. It was like half of the people were like, yeah, yeah, fuck Binance, let's fucking lock them out. And the other half were like, no, no, we don't want to offend Binance. But like it was only probably like zero point one percent who were aware that I was like having fun. It's just a funny idea. And like I think in my head when I was saying that stuff, I was imagining like the SEC blacklisting like USDC accounts of drug cartels or something. You know what I mean? It was like it came out of just silliness. Um, so yeah, it's funny. But nobody really understood that. They were just on two sides. I'm kind of learning like a sickening amount about mm. uh, what you guys talk about. And I can't help like but listen, obviously. Like it's like passive diffusion, but it's getting to the point where I'm like, okay, well I've been in these spaces for four days now and maybe I should just like I don't know. Well, it, it depends on the like, the way I see it. It's like you can learn things like crypto, but you really want to see it through the eyes of somebody who's got a good like imaginal landscape to it. Like someone like me just sees it as a funny thing, like a really funny thing. And and um, like I'm looking around at stuff and, and stuff is occurring and it's just like a load of funny stories and funny characters and like i'm creating a lot of chaos for no reason at all or sometimes for amusement or sometimes for some like specific purpose but it's like a a fundamentally fun thing i'm not like i'm not sitting there like some some autistic professor or something like learning all the terms and and analyzing them as as like raw data or something it's 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 all just like i don't know it's infused with like a childlike amusement but Um, you know it's you know it's strange though uh versus like there's like this process you have to go through like it's like i don't know it's like this experience you have to have and it can't be fully explained away right um like let me think of an example like um yeah so like you know i told you like i've i've had my period of time where i'm like like an audio nerd right like Mm -hmm. from uh the so like my dad had like um when we were kids they had like a you know a, a 12 inch record player and he had some old, like, you know, disco records and this and that that he bought. And then um, he had this pair of speakers, this shitty pair of speakers. Like, and uh, it was, uh, and, and the first time I had kind of, like, got exposed to this was, I don't remember, like, uh, in, like, grade school or something. And, and basically, like, there's this kid who used to sell drugs down the street. Um, like, he always asked me if I wanted some marijuana. And, like, you know, just imagine, I'm like, like, how old was I? Maybe, like, 12 or something, maybe no, not even that, like maybe 10. And, um, eventually the guy's like, Oh, I got this pair of speakers. Um, you, would you be interested in buying them? And like, some like subwoofers or something. And, uh, so I, I, I bought these things from him and that sort of began this like weird journey. Um, but back those days, like you'd have these, like, you know, these analog tapes, you know, I'm talking about the little before CDs, you have these little tapes, like, you know, the ones you see like in <laughs> guardians of the galaxy and shit, and you'd put them in the tape recorder and you hit play and record. Like, and you'd listen all day to some song on the radio, right? You'd still like, oh, I want to hear that song again. I want to record it. But like, I didn't have money to go and like buy tapes of every new song that came out. So I'd just sit and wait for the fucking like top 40 radio station or whatever to play this thing so I can record this. Anyway, this is the kind of like, like process you go through. And then you like eventually go, oh, I really like music and I want to buy like you know, neat speakers and do all sorts of shit. And um, when you go through that whole process, you actually like, make a lot of mistakes around the, along the way you, you, a, you don't even know what you like. You don't know like what Nirvana actually looks like. So you're just seeking it. You're looking for it. You're, you're, you're asking people, you're eventually like the internet comes out and you're asking people on the internet about it. And you're, you go to like, like stores where they sell these things and you kind of, Oh, maybe I'll find some like special thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then you'll have, you'll hear people, you'll hear people 
claim that like, oh, they have like achieved some sort of amazing thing and you and you're like, ooh, I, I want to achieve that thing too. So there's this kind of like process that you go through. And it's like if I were to sort of take someone under my wing right now and say, okay, like this is what matters, this is what doesn't, like this is like this stuff is stupid, that stuff isn't, then like you, you know, I could short circuit a lot of that, right? The discovery. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but like if you think back of it, it was like now I'm kind of bored of it because like I have found what I consider like relative perfection. And uh, like, I, you know, I know how to separate the sort of wheat from the chaff, but the fun was getting there is that that journey. And it's like, you don't know whether it's better to sort of like, you know, explain it away and tell people exactly what to do. You, you think to yourself, well, you'll save them a bunch of money. Like maybe you'll, you'll get them a better experience, blah, blah, blah. Right. You like, you can always like, um, you know, get someone who really knows about this stuff to just sort of like, ex you know, fix it for you, right? Like make it happen. But like, I, I'm not sure if that's the right thing. It's like hard to tell. It's like better to let people sort of like mm -hmm. get do the journey themselves or is it better to sort of like, you know, get them there to the, to, to perfection sooner. And then now they're just sitting there, you know, you know, without that kind of like, uh, I don't know what is like that kind of like that curious journey that is so fun. Uh, or maybe that's just me. Maybe that was like only useful for me, but for everyone else, like it'd be fine to just like short circuit, go right to the end and, you know, like at the end of the book or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. No, I've you always been, yeah, yeah. I've always been, um, like fiercely anti-theory, if you like, like I've always been a person who liked to reinvent the wheel. Um, so th the way I've explained this before to people is like, imagine if, if Christopher Columbus or someone went to America. And then he came back and, and you're like the guy on the next boat. And he says, like, you can have a map. Like, I've charted the whole thing. I've done the, the cartography. I've done the, the ocean mapping. Um, do you want it? I'd like, I would very much lean towards no. Like, I'd much prefer the adventure and, like, discovering it for the first time, essentially, myself and, and just having the adventure and the exploration um, than I would to, to read something and have, like, a guide. Um, so everything I've done has basically been like that. So, um, I'll give you some examples. Like with, with, I've talked about chess before a few times. I got to like a, like a very high level of chess. Um, the way I learned was completely different to most people in that I never read a chess book. I never read like the conventional theory. Um, I never learned openings in a conventional way. I never learned end games in a conventional way. The, the way I saw chess was like, if you imagine you're on a desert island, maybe with a friend or something, and you have a chessboard and you know the rules of chess, like how do you work it out? And then like, so, so how do you work it out? And also how do you enjoy it the most you can? Um, so then like I, I started playing um, when I was like 13, I had a year of I'd, I'd come home from school and for an hour, like every day I'd play chess um, on my computer, like, like fast chess, like two minutes aside or something. Um, and, and my whole thing was like, uh, I'm going to follow my amusement and I'm just going to find out what happens when I follow different paths. So I do like the conventional kind of stuff I later learned and then like just totally unconventional stuff and I'd see what happened. And then what would direct my journey would be like half of it would be curiosity in kind of an aesthetic sense. Like I like the look of certain positions. I like the, the look of certain like pawn structures and, and middle game positions and things that would interest me. Um, but it would also be partly just amusement. Like for instance, I did a certain thing and then the, the opponent got really fucking upset. <laughs> he was like, you can't do that. And, and in these, in these text things, you'd, in these uh, chess things, you have like a little chat box and things, um, you know, that we could tie back and forth. So like half of my experimentation was also like the chat 
I'd like I'd like wind people up and and, and uh, get into like these matches with them when you play like twenty games and stuff. And then I'd be playing. They'd be playing like the conventional openings where they can try and try and control the center. I don't know if you play chess at all, Sefi, but like they'd be playing like e4, d4, like controlling the center with the middle pawns and stuff. And I'd just be doing this wacky fucking shit, like making weird, uh, like scorpion shapes and shit, like like uh, moving forward my like the the widest pawns, like the worst possible fucking moves to start with, and moving my king back and forth, and like dancing my knight back and forth. So like four moves in I'm, I'm back at the starting position i've not done anything at all and like giving up fuck loads of space like letting them control about two like i don't know like 75 percent of the board and i'm kind of crammed into one corner and then at that point they're thinking in their minds like fuck i've really won this game you know controlling all the space like surely it's like inevitable that i've won and then i'd like uncoil my position or like make them overextend um because like it's it's an interesting thing like in chess there's always a way to you, there's a kind of a balance point where if you extend too much, your position becomes weak. And if you um, extend too little, your position becomes weak. So I'd be baiting people into this kind of like tipping over the balance point um, and stuff like that. And then I'd kind of uh, uncoil and destroy them, um, which was interesting. And then like uh, over the course of, of many years of play, I developed a system that was like led by my curiosity and led by my, my playfulness and my amusement. Um, and, and I guess more than that, like led by what actually happens rather than what, um, the books say or what the engines say or something like that. Because I realized that, that if you're playing a human being, then the best thing to do is play basically probabilistically and, and play their mind rather than like what a computer would do in their position. And you can get away with like many, many more things. If you're playing the human, if you're like, I see it, you know, in poker, people talk about like tilting the other player. I saw myself as like the king of tilting other chess players, right? So like, like I'd play in a way that was a way to wind them up as much as possible, like as much as humanly possible. I'd wind them up and, and make them tilt and like just, just and and every like I'll give you an example. Like I don't know, if, do you do you play any chess, Sefi? Do you know the rules and stuff? Yeah, I know the rules. I've I've yeah. barely like played it to any sort of significant level. Okay. So like I'd work out ways to drag it on, like. I'd be winning in a middle game position and then I'd give a piece back and then, and then I'd let them be equal for a little bit. And then I give them, then I'd like uh, win a little bit and then I give another piece back. And then towards the end, um, rather than like mating them, if I had a opportunity to checkmate them, I'd like dance my king around the board, like doing laps, like victory laps and stuff. And like, I'd force them to press the resign button. Like I wouldn't give them the satisfaction of being mated. I'd like, I'd like making the game drag on to like two hundred moves and stuff, and like, uh, and I'd see it all as like tilting them, and also like an investment in their psychological decline for the next game, um, and stuff like that. Just, just, just really, just maniac things. And throughout the process of of learning it as well, I like came up with a load of my own like terminology and my own kind of imaginary landscape of how to play the game and stuff. Um, and a lot of it sort of converged, I found later on, it converged with like a lot of the normal theory, but a lot of it didn't. It was quite unique and, and novel. And also um, just just like seeing it through my own eyes made it always amusing, like always funny, always playing. Um, but, you know, I think there's like a couple of types of people like so you're on the desert island, right? And you're you have yeah. to live on this island uh, forever. And your only game that you're ever going to have is chess, for example. There's the people that say, OK, like. I wish I had all the different manuals of chess. I could read them all and all the different things people have written. And then I'm going to figure out a way to sort of like create something novel that maybe people haven't thought of. And then there's the other way of looking at it. It's almost like 
you know, you're sort of like giving the, let, let's say, for example, yeah, imagine there's a long, like really, really good TV series and um, someone spoils the fucking thing for you, right? To some people, it's like, oh, it feels like it got spoiled. Like the story, you know, you, you, you missed the entire point of the self-discovery and didn't get an opportunity to do that, right? Like in your example of like crossing the ocean, like, you know, example, like I would say, okay, go ahead and give me the map. But then I'm going to find like a lot of discoveries and shit to add to that map or something. I wouldn't necessarily assume that I have to like have a fresh, like, like fresh slate. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with like taking pre-existing things and just like Larry on top of that. So like, I don't have to start totally new. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it depends, right? Like what's like something like chess. It's like, um, okay. I could, I could, I don't know. It's like, I didn't care enough to, to reach like an elite level. Like I knew that I could go down the conventional path and, and learn um, all the books and all the conventional knowledge. And then I could add to it to my own ideas and, and get this really fucking high level. But with chess, I was like, okay, this is an area of my life, like a compartment that I'm going to assign for just fun. And for me, the, 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 the most fun thing was just leaving it to like pure exploration, like no overlay of the ideas or the theory or whatever, because it would be like, Mm, it, it's not like a denial of theory or a rejection of it. It's more like just a, a conscious intention or a conscious decision to just make it like a pure um, exploratory thing. Like when you're a yeah, child, you, you, you know, know where, the, you know yeah. where this example plays out. Like uh, you, have you ever played those like video games, like where you like uh, like street fighter and like these type of things mm -hmm. where you're like a fighter and you're like attacking somebody, right? You could be really analytical about those and say, I'm going to memorize these exact like moves, the timing yeah. and all that shit. And some people are really good at that, right? Like they, they'll just whoop your ass because they have all that memorized and they know like, like, you know, all the different like special moves and how exactly time them and how to block and all this stuff. Right. I don't like to like get that analytical about it. I like to just do a dance, have some fun. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe I'll get my ass kicked, but like just completely like let it drive on pure emotion. I don't like this idea of like, um, like having to memorize a like really, really specific sequence or something uh, in that kind of game. Like I was, that's what made me like ultimately not as good as some, a lot of people at those types of games. Like I didn't really like play to win, so to speak. No, no. For me, chess was always like, um, like play was primary. Um, it's, mm, yeah, play, play was always the primary thing, like more than everything, just, just playing and curiosity and amusement. Um, and it was like, mm, it, it, I, I kind of see it now, like, like I was deliberately choosing to use a certain area of my brain as well, like that childlike exploration, curiosity frequency. And I think if you, if you delve into theory and memorization, especially in something like chess, or like um, a lot of chess players, like the, the, the training they do is forcing themselves to calculate lines. Like they'll have puzzle positions and then the solution will be you, you, you work out um, the best move by calculating, say, 11 moves deep in various trees. And you have to um, go through this process of analyzing all of the trees meticulously um, again and again and again to make sure that you you always um, pay attention to every little factor and you make sure that you always visualize all of the moves, like the positions um, and the, the, the moves that arise from the base positions. You make sure you visualize them all clearly so that you can calculate as, as thoroughly as possible and visualize as thoroughly as possible. You know, chess players are doing this kind of thing all the time, like very grindy, very memorization heavy very analytical um and for me it, it had to be more of like a an aesthetic kind of thing 
like like I wanted to play from from just like it feels right. So when I see a position now, um, it's hmm, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, a certain move just feels right. It kind of calls to me on some on some level. It's like th- there's an unconscious kind of f- feeling that I think is closer to say a jazz musician or um, something like that. Someone who is improvising and just feels the next path. Um, or, and maybe responds in, on some level to maybe the the instruments his his um, bandmates or whatever are playing as well. It's like I'm I'm responding to my opponent, but I'm also responding to my my moods. And like if I if I'm feeling in a silly mood, it's going to take that direction. But ultimately, it's like it's it's more of like a, a a visual aesthetic kind of kinesthetic thing than it ever was like an analytical thing, which is quite interesting. Um, it's 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 like I've I've sidestepped that area of my mind and maybe sacrificed some rating points, but at the same time I've I preserved the play and the childlike curiosity. Mm. Yeah, it's like a it's kind of like when you think of yeah musicians, right? Like there's the people that are like maybe technically very good, but then there's the people that can improv on top. Like they have the technical skill, but they can kind of just like play along with you depending on what you're trying to do. Um, and they can kind of like, yeah, it's like literally like the meaning of vibing, uh, or like riffing with, you know, along with whatever people are doing is just an interesting skill set yeah. too. And and I think you can also say the same about like socialization, right? Like a, a lot of people, when they talk, it's the very, um, they have like a heavy objective, like an overriding objective to get something, to sell something, to, um, further their knowledge in some way to analyze some topic, even in these spaces, right? People come in and it's clear that their mind is very like arrow-like. They're, they're focused on finding out what's happening with Lunk to get certainty about their investment. Or um, Tundra, he's like trying to find some certainty about where to build. And, you know, if you can help him get some more certainty, then he, he's like, he's super interested. He wants to dig into that. And, you know, the perpetuals on Arbiter and whatever else, it's like, he's, he's like trying to, Mm, it's like there's a there's a strong inner intent to to find it out through analysis. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I think with other people, they're in a different layer completely. Um, it's quite interesting. Like even in a space like this, you see you see like the all the different levels of mind or the layers of mind that people are operating at, and and like the diverse intentions. And it's often the case that that one level of mind won't understand the other. Like a like an analytical person won't understand someone like me who just has no real agenda. <laughs> it's quite funny. Yeah, it's it's it, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like, I because I'm not, I'm definitely not as uh, I guess um, uh, for sure not as spontaneous as as you would normally be. That's for sure. Um, but at the same time, I get it. It's not like like uh, you know, I understand that like the, the type and the concept, right? Like, it's like, and I, and I do it at certain levels, just not at that, uh, not not as consistently. I would say maybe mm. uh, in in the sense of like, yeah, it's, it's just a different. It's just a different thing. Yeah, it's it's funny kind of when you, you when you kind of compare like the mindsets of different people, how they um how they like think through things and whatnot. For me, it's like it's also not um it's not necessarily where I have to live. Like when I was a kid, I was like a maths whiz. I was kind of um quite I, I was like in that area of my mind quite a lot, like puzzle solving and 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 um <clears throat> you know solving problems a lot and and kind of um. I don't know, wanting to seem smart, I guess, and stuff like that. And then at a certain point, I kind of rejected it and realized that I much preferred inhabiting this like play frequency. Do you remember I was talking about business as well? 
like I was talking about writing these really perfectionist emails and things to investors and like really um, stressing myself uh, about making every single thing I did in business perfect. Like every, every single feature, every, like if I was making a website or something, every single fucking thing I would obsess about, like the layout, the text, the, is this converting enough? I'd be like some machine, like thinking about like split testing and A and B and like, you know, I'd look up like particular um, adjectives and which ones are best and all this stuff. And like, if there was a, an investor or something the, the I'd spend like all fucking night writing the follow-up emails. Like if he, if he decided he wanted to invest in, in the company I had, um, and we were about to close the deal, I feel like this, this big anxiety about like, I've got to make this fucking perfect. Like, like my follow-up emails and, and the data I provide about the business and stuff, like everything would just be kind of obsessive and analytical and super perfectionist. Um, and then like, I think at a certain level, I just, I just somehow realized, I think from the meditation and stuff as well, I just realized like none of it was necessary. Like both, you don't need to operate in that mode and you don't need to stress it. And, and life can happen even if you stay in this playful mode. Like now, a lot of my business meetings are just like laughing and playing around and just really fucking silly. And um, if I'm doing consultancy for something, I, I described like the gym board I told you, Sefi, about the, the, the like stable coin consultancy I had with the LSD stable coin and stuff like that. Just like that whole, that whole mm. meeting and the creative process was all just like playful. It was just funny like it's 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 like you can live in this childlike frequency of imaginative play and life can just happen and now it's like i've got a much deeper trust that it can just happen so i i no longer force myself to be in that analytical mode except where i really need to be um it's like yeah just, definitely over the last like maybe five years mm, i've kind of gone down that same pathway like exactly same thing like you're getting a group of investors and you're showing them like you're taking something from a napkin drawing and you're turning it into like this big like business plan and like this thing because you're trying to get millions of dollars of investors to kind of um, sort of build something. Right. And um, you're, so, so there's so but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, some of the people that are investing with you um, are the are the are going to be looking for that perfection. Right. And on the other hand, like. Um, there's other people that are going to be looking for just like, okay, is, does this person have the style, the, this sort of like um, sense of, um, I don't know, like when, when it comes to certain types of business, like do they have the certain type of like aesthetic yeah. necessary like for this, right? Yeah. They yeah. So people looking for, they're looking for like both pieces of that puzzle. And if it's like, if you don't have one or the other, there's certainly some people that won't like invest with you or throw in money. Right. So it just depends mm -hmm. on the, yeah, it depends on the situation. Yeah, you see, it's interesting. Like, and and sometimes you should just say no to those people because they don't understand anyway. Like, um, some people will just be looking for the wrong thing completely. Like, they'll want some fucking really elaborate business plan or whatever the fuck else. Um, and and that will be like a tangible piece of evidence of your capability and of the like certainty about the investment. But they should really be looking at your like moment-to-moment -moment decisions and your resourcefulness and stuff and like will you have the integrity to carry it on and and do you know what i mean it's like they they somehow overlook the character and the moment-to-moment -moment resourcefulness and they're obsessing on the wrong details um even with like something like lunkdow right it's it's fascinating to see the the variety of people and their conclusions like people will read the like the sexual tweets or the funny tweets and stuff. And they're like, you guys are great. And you've created the energy behind the movement. And then other guys, other people are like, this is unprofessional. We, you know, we need, we need people to take us seriously. 
it's it's interesting to see all these perspectives on the same fundamental thing like nothing has changed but clearly um different people have a different level of of understanding and things that make them convicted in their investments do you know what i mean it's it's always like that and then it's like can you be bothered to change like is it worth changing do you need to satisfy them or are you just going to accept like the the collateral damage or or maybe just not work with two out of three investors and work with the one who appreciates it yeah like i found um i don't know if you guys have uh, like uh katie or zara like i don't know if you guys have tried to like you know go into business things like that but like but what i what, what like the lesson i learned was actually if you have a pretty decent idea um and you're the you're willing to put the work in right and the person who's investing with you doesn't have to do anything it's it's amazing how much money like suddenly appears out of nowhere like people actually are looking for stuff like that to invest in and i I actually didn't understand that when i was kind of like uh maybe it's like i'm underestimating maybe you know my ability to convince people or maybe the i you know maybe people think the idea is stupid or you know not interesting enough to put that much money into but i just found that like you know when people sort of just generally trust you um like generally speaking they're willing to invest quite a lot with you as far as like a company or something like that so it's like um that wasn't a problem ultimately right it just wasn't like so it actually made more sense to find people that are aligned with like your vision for the thing um ultimately than it did um you know, necessarily like finding someone that thinks, uh, you know, your, your business plan looks perfect or some shit, right? Like, like the, yeah. the technical nuances. Yeah. Hey, better. What's up? Hey guys. Hey everyone. Um, happy Friday. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more, uh, Sefi. Um, having run an incubator for, uh, you know, a few years, um, what's really hard when you run an incubator is to find teams of complementary skill sets and, you know, uh, an idea is like kind of a dime a dozen, but having a complementary set of two or three or four kind of four is probably too many, but you know, two or three typically um, to pursue it. Um, that's what's really hard is is that kind of complementary giftings, you know, working together towards a vision. So if you have a good idea and you have a team, yeah, lots of money to be raised. Um, it's, it's 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 situations where there's just one founder. Those are often pretty uninvestable because it's, you know, teams are stronger than individuals and it's always teams that change the world. So, yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, two or three people and a team and an idea and, yeah, lots of money out there. It's really nice hearing this um, insight. Also, when you say incubator, I know what you mean, but the first thing I think of is just you or your Bitmoji sat on like a ton of eggs. And I find that really interesting because it's like the team of eggs and there's like blue ones and there's like little quail eggs and stuff. And you've got to be careful not to squash the quail eggs. But um, have you ever got those before? Because they're really cool. They're like tiny little cute eggs. That's a very cute analogy and it works perfectly. An incubator with all the little eggs and then the little birds hatch and then they grow into big birds. And yeah, it's a nice analogy. Um, the... Um, the yeah the <laughs> the incubators in silicon valley uh, you know are are uh, almost the same um there there's there's lots of eggs and lots of hatchlings and lots of them don't make it but you know a few of them graduate to fly out of the nest um and you hang you hang around when you're aware like the stanford region or what like palo alto or those regions San Francisco to San Jose, kind of up and down the 101 corridor. Yeah, I 
Oh yeah, sure, sure. It's funny because um, I've been doodling as you guys were talking. And I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like doodle according to the space because I was, you know, I can't think of what to draw right now. So I was drawing some chess pieces, and then I was drawing some letters and stuff, and then I drew a paintbrush, and then I drew a feather because the paintbrush looked like a feather. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense, feels right. And then you came in and you spoke about incubators, and I can't help but feel that um, the reason you spoke about incubators was because I drew a feather, and then like you know, chickens because they lay eggs they incubate them and maybe you're a chicken and I, I, i'm not calling you a coward obviously i think you sound really nice but like uh i don't know do you think chickens relate to your life at all what do you think i should draw next man you might have like psychic powers over me or something i'm like tripping right now um that's what's so cool about these spaces like you, you guys have created the coolest culture in these spaces as the energy for this movement and I don't know next. Um, but I'm kind of scared what it might be because it might like start to affect my evening here on Friday night. Um, don't tell me what it is, but yeah, I, I, uh, I feel it could uh, have power. Bizarre, you're taking our conversation and channeling it into like a, a, a doodling session, just to kind of see what you can draw, what happens. Yeah. Or and just, um, yeah. Also, uh, future. Did, did you say you you were cutting out a little bit when you were talking? But did you say you were feeling scared about something? Well, you just um, were doing doodling, and and uh, you were you were drawing chickens, and then I mentioned an incubator. It seems like you uh, had influence over what I was about to say. It's kind of yeah. Okay, I'm gonna draw like a rainbow next. That's <laughs> how the universe works. If you if you write something or if you draw something. That is like a direct um, expression of your intention within consciousness, and it manifests that result. Indeed, yeah, yeah. You know what's so cool about these spaces? I I actually bet talking about Silicon Valley incubators, um, by getting to know people, even if it's just verbal, like it's not in person, but you actually get to know a lot about someone's personality, and you know, there's so much more context having discussions in these spaces, and. It wouldn't surprise me if like these spaces lead to multiple teams, you know, forming and, you know, in this kind of crazy blockchain um, domain that we're in. Um, That's actually pretty much exactly what happens. Like, uh, you know, like a, a couple of the guys are like, oh, like you should go and like participate in like the Juno DAO and this and that. And I'm like, I don't know if I have the time. Like, And even if I did, I'm like, I'm like, wait a minute. Do I want to be doing that or do I want to hang around here screwing around? Uh, so, like, yeah, th there's definitely uh, a lot of, like, collaborations that have come about. Um, like, for example, I I I'm in the little uh, whatever group telegram thing for, like, you know, the, the Luna Emergency Allocation Fund or whatever the heck it's called uh, for, like, developers and stuff. And I, I wouldn't have imagined I would be doing that, much less, like, people would say, oh, like, let's vote him to be doing that. Like, so they just voted me in a lot of work, which is funny. Um, I don't actually get anything for it, but like, <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, there's no question, like hanging out around with different people. Um, you, you can decide to like collaborate or do interesting shit if you want to. There's no, there's, it's not like you have to, but like, um, certainly some connections form for sure. Yeah. It's so, it's so much richer than just the Twitter you know, someone makes a post, like you guys were saying a few moments ago, like without the context, 
you know, someone's sarcasm or someone's humor, this might not come through. And so you hop on these spaces and you really, you know, you can have more fun um, and you kind of can appreciate people's personalities a lot better. And so, yeah, whether it be, you know, two or three people connecting to form a startup in the Cosmos ecosystem or, you know, someone meeting someone else and getting married, I bet there's going to be all kinds of crazy matches that come off of the, the coach and Sefi uh, spaces. And uh, I can't wait to go to some of the weddings, man. I, I, uh, <laughs> another year from now, this community is going to be so rich. Everyone, everyone's going to be wealthy with Adam at $180. And wow, those, those are going to be some wedding parties. See, I'm not even the one showing the Adam. Like, like see, <laughs> anyway, but yeah. they know. Um, yeah, actually I was having this, I was reading I'm this article. I believe it. It's I'm completely convicted. No, I'm pretty convicted too. But like, yeah, I was actually reading this article yesterday, like about sort of like these, like, um, so how, how do you get an AI to sort of like produce comedy? And it was interesting because like when they just simply type in just stuff into an AI and you say, hey, make, say something funny, right? Um, comedy sort of like comedy because like there's some sort of context there's a context of the person telling the joke and what like, you know, what what is implied by like the type of life they've led or maybe the race that they are or the sex that they are. Some some piece of their identity in some context. And there's the context of the person hearing the joke. Right. Like maybe, um, you know, you, you, you have like, you, you know, you understand the joke because you're a specific type of person or maybe it resonates with you somehow. And it's like funny for whatever reason. So like. It's like uh, ultimately this idea of like two AIs doing improv w between each other um, to where like one starts understanding the context of the other and saying funny things has been like a, an actually difficult thing to um, it's been kind of like a difficult thing to reproduce, which is super interesting to me. Like, I think I was just mentioning this yesterday. I was like, the way you'll know that like, like that whole um, like, like these systems have gotten to the point where you can't tell the difference between like a human and, and this, uh, and the computer is when like you can ha essentially have them do improv and it's funny to human beings and it's doesn't seem robotic necessarily or whatever. Right. Like it's a, so yeah, this kind of like improv concept is very contextual and like, like comedy can be either seem seemingly super insulting or otherwise, if you don't understand like the motive or the intent or the, like, how do you receive that um, joke or whatever? Um, what you were saying about the context of things, it made me think about, um, made me think about, like, uh, the Western ideas of, like, reflexes, weirdly, because, like, uh, you know, we, we think of a reflex as, like, a, like, a, almost a thing in space, like, in a vacuum, even though, you know, the more we learn about the body, the more we realize that we always are inherently contextualizing everything we do. And like a, a Soviet research to like a neuroscience in like the eighties and stuff, they established that a long time ago and solved a lot of problems that we still struggle with. And it's funny because it's like life and laughter and humor. That you could say humor is like a representation of life in a way, and it's always inherently contextualized, which is why the AI fails when it has no context. But we know this, we see this in our own things, and we think, okay, well, it needs context but we can't even apply that to our own ideas of like medicine in terms of the brain and like reflexes. And I don't know. I just feel like, uh, it's, 
it shows how flawed some of the things that we look at are. AI almost holds a mirror back to a lot of things. Yeah, I think uh, someone mentioned I should watch that uh, series called Black Mirror or something. I think, was it you, Zara, that mentioned that like that was sort of what they're trying to get out in that that uh, fiction? I don't think I mentioned Black Mirror. I don't watch a lot of TV, but... I think Addie mentioned it maybe. Like, I should watch like Black Mirror that I'd like it for some reason. This is an interesting title for the space that Bruce came up with. Mm, that ought to be somewhat controversial, but not too out of line with uh, Bruce's line of thinking. So let's see. <laughs> let's see what happens. Hmm. Well, I was hoping that maybe some of the women earlier would come back in and we have some kind of confrontation. No, well, it's Friday night and we're losers. So this is the reason why like, they've all disappeared. I already went out and I drank passion fruit martinis with my sister. Came back, hopped straight back on the space. I'm sober now. Where where are you now? You said you didn't want to wake up your sister. Is that still the same situation? Oh no, I was only joking about uh, her waking up. She, I was asking about it. She said it's fine. Doesn't wake her up. She said she can just faintly hear me giggling sometimes, and she thinks it's nice. Oh, um, what I mean is like, oh, so you you are in like bunk beds or something. No, no, she's just in the room next to me. It's just an old house, um, thin walls. But um, no, we went out when the space started, and then we came back when the pub closed. That's the cool. passion fruit martini. That sounds like something I'd probably like. It's like I like these like fruity, like girly drinks for some reason. Do you do you drink much, Sophie? Not not uh, not particularly, not particularly intentionally. If it's sort of convenient it's there right i'm not like going to look for it necessarily i'm really good at making cocktails um because of the family restaurant we put some on the menu and once you get used to making them you realize how bad most drinks in most places are because it's really not that hard to follow a recipe and to make a really really nice drink and i would say well i've never been to a restaurant that sells that serves a good cocktail with a full menu for the bartender that actually knows what they're doing like ever and it's really that it's so simple i really just don't understand it now is your town really really small where you can like walk to everything or what yeah pretty much Hmm. so it's like you can get to like the beach you can get to like your your restaurant and like you know the grocery store all that like do you have to have a car where you live or no uh no, you you don't need a car where I live. Um, in terms of that, there are some people in the town um, from my mom's work who actually have never left, like not even to the nearby town because they were like born here and they really like it here. So they just do all their shopping in the town, which to me is a bit weird. But like uh, we, the property that my family live in is um, above the family restaurant. So um, and it's about five minutes from the beach. But there's quite a lot of different beaches. Um, there's like one of the best ones in the UK near here, uh, like a 10 minute drive away or I don't know, four hour walk away because it's up and down those cliffs. Um, but yeah, it's a really lovely place. What's your hometown like, Sefi and Coach and Katie and Beda? Can you give me a vibe on it? Yeah, it's kind of like, um, it's basically a city, so it's kind of a, but at the same time, like, um, 
like a lot of the U.S. like what it is is like a big ass like suburban thing. Like it's like there is a city, but then there's like people sort of like um, migrated out, you know, and like cities became like really really horizontally oriented. So it's like you're just driving all the goddamn time. So it's like that's that's basically what uh, um, what it's like here. Like fortunately, like I live very close to where I um, I work close to where I live. So it's like. I spent almost no time on the road, really. Like, uh, you know, a car could last me a really, really long time because of that. So, um, it's it's kind of nice that way. Like, it's I don't really like that sort of like commuter traffic thing. I I've done that like when I was growing up and stuff. And um, you know, where like my mother would you know drive like you know an hour to work, an hour back, and that kind of shit. And sort of like I I never really cared for that, and I don't know why. Maybe it's like it's too fatiguing kind of, it's like you're sleepy after that. And it seems just like a colossal waste of time. So I like to like free up that time by having less distance and such. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, uh, it's, uh, I, yeah, I don't enjoy that like weird commuting behavior. It's just strange to me. Like the number of hours you waste per day. No, it's like, horrible. It's almost ridiculous. Yeah. I 100% agree. I was a uh, 40 to 50 minute commuter each way. Hello, everyone, by the way. Uh, before COVID, every day, five days a week. And uh, now I work from home like 90% of the time. And it's amazing. Yeah, and substantial portions of the US, it's interesting. Like the amount of commuter traffic drops so much that, like, even like over the last year, like just traffic was way down compared to previous, which is fascinating. Like, and so some significant portion of people like stayed doing some kind of like, I don't know, I guess zoom jobs or something like that. Right. It just really, um, it affected the traffic quite a lot. Like in obvious ways, like you can tell the difference and, um, I don't know. These things kind of come in like, like in swings of the pendulum, like, um, where people get kind of, you know, used to that for a while and then they'll get bored as hell. Right. And they want to like, they want to get out and drive and they want to do things. So it's like those things last for periods of time, I think. And then it'll like go the other direction and get, get busy again. Yeah. I'm currently in the car. So my reception's terrible. Uh, I'm driving to uh football, but like, this is one of the, like the few times I actually drive longer than like 20 minutes these days. Cause uh, like my car, we use kilometers here in Australia. I think I've done about, Five four thousand kilometers in my car in the last two years, just because most of the drives I do are like twenty k's, thirty uh, k's at most, kilometers at most, and uh, you know it's twenty thirty minutes. Uh, whereas like previously, I'd do you know minimum fifteen thousand a year just driving to work and back. <laughs> so uh, I, I really enjoy it. Like I like working from home. It's also nice to get out and about. But uh, like I live in a place where. My work's far away, but everything else is close. So, like, the beach, the lake, the shops are all, like, you know, within 5, 10 kilometers from my house. So, I don't need to go anywhere uh, other than, like, into work, which is just far away. Uh, and I luckily, I work in kind of software uh, consulting, so I don't actually need to go in and see people very often, which is uh, really, not, really nice. What about... um? Coach and Katie and Kerma, your hometowns. Mm, do you mean where I grew up or where I live now? Uh, well, wherever you consider home, I suppose. 
Mm, I think I'm still looking for a home. I think it's, I said to you earlier, Zara, I'm kind of traveling around. Um, I think part of that is like, I want to find, I want to buy a place, but I want to find somewhere that I really, really like. Like I've, I've been where I am now for, for a little bit, but it's like, hmm, I don't know whether I really want to live here because yeah. it's in some ways. And like, it's, it's beautiful, but it's limited. It's yeah. like the, some kind of trade-off. I think probably the, the place I like best so far is maybe Bristol. You have been oh, there. Yeah. Probably of everywhere, I probably like that best because it's somehow like quite busy and there's stuff to do. But at the same time, it's not too far from nature. Um, yeah, yeah, you're very close to everything in Bristol oh, as well. Yeah. Um, one of my nearest cities when I go to the airport, I go there. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's funny because like to everyone in the Southwest, everyone sees Bristol as like a, it's like, that's not in the Southwest, that's like a, a Midlands city or something. Um, because the roads are so bad, it takes three hours to get there. Mm. That's not the Southwest to us. But when you're in Bristol, everyone who lives there, like is really uh, like a Southwest like representative. Like they're really like, they have thicker accents than further down and, they really like go hard at it. I think it's a big part of the Bristol culture. Um, a lot of druggies there in terms of like druggy students and stuff because it's kind of like a hippie city, I guess. But it's nice though. It's nice. If I was yeah. going to live in a city, I think I'd live there. But I don't think I ever want to live in a city after <laughs> being in Cardiff for a while. Yeah, I hate Cardiff. I didn't like stay there, but I didn't like it at all. Really, too. Um, it reminded me of like Reading or something. You've been yeah. there. Um, did you go to like Butte Park and stuff? The big no. park? No, I was only there like a week, so not much. Uh, yeah, that's enough to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, like I, I went all around it and stuff. It just, it's just, it's a weird vibe there. Cause you can, I tried to see the good in it, but it's like everything was painted. Made me, made me feel like there's some sort of radiation fallout there, but mm. um, I don't think there is. It's just like Welsh people. Yeah. Yeah, I found it like ugly, like um, yeah, just kind of like mm, just not very well designed, like ugly. You know, when you get to um, Cardiff train station and you get out of the train, you like walk through the city and stuff. It's yeah. uh, I don't know, like, kind of ugly mess <laughs> mostly. I've had so many horrible, horrible days around that train station, like missing trains, of course, and um, like sat out there in the rain waiting for the next ones, making a cigarette, thinking. Why the fuck do I live here, surrounded by ugly construction buildings? Um, the last and final time I was in Cardiff, I was just doing my exams at the end, and I was staying in like a, stayed in a hostel because I didn't want to hang out with anyone that I knew that. <laughs> um, and um, I met some people in the in the hostel, and there was like loads of Nigerian women, and I made really good friends with them, and I think I preferred them to anyone I met. In the whole other two years, well, three years, I was in Cardiff total. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So are there areas of UK that are like uh, architecturally just hideous? Like they just like, like a bunch of cheap garbage sort of like was created. Because yeah. yeah, you always get this impression, like if you're like not from a certain country, right? You get the impression that everything looks like maybe the most picturesque piece of that country. <laughs> like, But there's definitely areas of like just shit and places like this is not very good 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, the whole Cardiff isn't like that. Like, there's some really lovely, beautiful architecture, but all of the cities and the whole world are afflicted by the plague of like the modern office building, glass and steel, boring, ugly, eternally with a crane mm-hmm. above it and drilling. Yeah, and then things aren't planned as whole cities very often. They're kind of built one by one by one, um, gradually added to, sprawling out with no like overall aesthetic vision. Um, I like a few places like, have you, you been to Bath much, Sarah? That's, quite, that's a really nice place. Like, yeah, I was actually going to say a minute ago, I love everything along the Roman Wall. Um, so from Bath is really nice. And plus that's near to Bristol as well. Yeah. Um, I really like York a lot. Like I'm a bit of a York head. Um, my best friend went to uni there. So last year I just visited her a lot there. And like, because it's a walled city, um, you know, they can't do anything ugly there. It's how, all protected. How, how long, like what's the distance? Uh, like how many miles is it from like top to bottom and for the UK? Like what are you talking about when you're driving? Well, there's like there's like 400 reasonable miles where you'll find pretty much everything. And then you can go north about another 300 miles. And it's like the Scottish Highlands where there's basically nothing except some really shitty towns. And like just, I don't know, like the Scottish Plains. <laughs> it's like it's like you, you I don't know, have you been to the UK, Steffi? I, I haven't. I haven't really driven around or like, I think I just stopped there at the airport oh, at some point. But, but no, I haven't I been around. Come, yeah, come just, stop by. We'll have a space. Actually, in your actually life. interestingly, like I haven't, um, I haven't spent any time in Europe, Europe at all, much less uh, UK or anywhere else. Interesting. I don't know why. Like, I need to make time to do it, basically. But like, I hadn't get around, and I, it's interesting because like, where when we when, when like in the US, it's strange because like when you drive, it's like you're used to driving like outlandish distances for things like going like to multiple states. So when you say like three, mm-hmm. four, seven hundred miles, it's like that's like. Uh, like we might drive that in a day if we're going somewhere significantly like uh yeah. like i don't know uh yeah it's 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 just such long distances yeah it's like one state um i don't know what what's the biggest american state and how big is it you know well alaska. it's like alaska technically but like you like i don't know alaska very well at all but it's yeah it's humongous like it's it's like a continent <laughs> like it's huge but uh but yeah, uh, California, Texas, all pretty big, right? But like, even just the gulf between those, like if you go, for example, let's say the Southwest, right? To get from like, I don't know, like uh, Denver to Dallas to like through New Mexico, like which is Albuquerque, um, Santa Fe, and you go to like, um, I don't know, like uh, Grand Canyon in Arizona, you go to like Las Vegas. Each of those distances, like, to each of these sort of major spots is easily like 400 plus miles right like so it's like when you talk about 700 miles across the country it's like uh like uh if you're used to driving like that's not too bad at all <laughs> it really isn't yeah. i was talking to my sister about how i really want to um do a really long trip uh like just kind of like book off a couple of weeks from whatever i'm doing and just go from land's end which is the most south the most sticky out point of, of the UK in the south, all the way up to the Scottish Highlands. And I want to just do it with like a, like I want to have my hammock and maybe some food and stuff, but I don't want to have any maps and I don't want to have a phone. Um, and I basically just want to try and do it like by eye and by like by navigating the land itself. Cause I think that's really cool. 
And, yeah, it's, um, more, it's more memorable that way too. You like you, yeah, your, your mind sort of like the memory of it sticks with you better. Yeah, and also like I, I mean, I don't think hitchhiking is a deal breaker in that. Um, I'll definitely hitchhike past the Midlands if I can, or and I know I can train hop pretty easily if I want to as well. But I think that kind of takes away the essence of it because I've done all those trains. But like in the UK, or like are there just people doing this kind of shit all the time? They're just like roaming around, like because it's not that far, right? Like it's feasible to do all that. Well, that's the thing. Like it's so easy to do. But I was saying how the other day, like people just don't generally. Like I'm kind of surprised to hear that coach does that. Like it's it's nice actually because it's it's so rare, even though it's so easy. Like for example, I've been from uh, like um, so if you know where like Victoria Island. Uh, uh, British Columbia is in uh, Canada, right? Like I've made, I've, I've traveled all the way from the island, like from there, all the way across, like the, uh, you know, Vancouver, and then headed off to like Calgary, and then uh, like like the Banff National Forest, like really some of the most beautiful places in North America are there actually, and um, and then like like all the way to like Montreal, uh, Toronto, you know, that side of the country. Niagara Falls and all of that business. So yeah, we, we did a like, pretty nice trip, like a good couple of weeks, just all the way across, which was really fun. Um, it's a long way though. Like it's, it's plenty of, plenty of driving, but I'm kind of used to that. So it doesn't bother me. Like my father used to take me on a lot of trips somewhere as we were, we were kids. Like he, and we'd drive like all the way across the country doing, I don't know what, like, you know, the, the Disney world and this and that and the other thing. So I was actually pretty fortunate. Like we'd live in like, we'd go to like really shitty motels. Like, I don't know, like, you know, the $20 motels, we didn't have that much money, but like, even though we didn't have much money, like he'd load us up into this big station wagon looking thing. And, uh, and pretty much took us as many places as he possibly could. It was, um, it was, uh, we were very fortunate that like he likes to travel and like to, you know, take us everywhere. It's pretty nice. But like we, we would go totally budget, right? It's not like, I have to, it's not like I have to be used to like living in some kind of like luxurious, um, uh, you know, thing, like some fancy hotel and whatnot, just to have fun, like super, super cheap. Uh, cause we just didn't have any money at the time. It just wasn't, um, it wasn't in the cards to go to somewhere fancy or whatever. It's like wh wherever we can save money, we did. And that's like, you know how like they had those uh, little like motels where the kids eat free <laughs> like you'd, or you'd have like uh breakfast is free with a little croissants and whatnot. Uh, those kinds of places were pretty common when we were growing up. Nobody wants you to know that generally speaking, if you dress nicely, you can just go into any hotel for breakfast and you just you know in a nice that's hotel room that's actually in true although I don't really do that but yeah it's true yeah I mean it's pretty easy to be honest so you can uh, my mum came to visit me in Copenhagen at one point and I just went down had a really nice probably one of the best breakfasts I've ever had we had like chefs like um, cooking all sorts of stuff um, it was just delightful and you know tastes better when it's free Sorry, it's my internal uh, stinginess coming out, but yeah. I think the best uh, breakfast uh, I've ever had was at, um, so I don't know if you've been to like any of the Pacific Islands, but like uh, the North Shore of Kauai, Hawaii has like, um, it's very beautiful because like the, the, the hotel will be on this like really high hill on the one side when you're eating, you're looking at the ocean and all the people surfing and whatnot. And you look a slightly different direction and you basically are looking at 
like uh, these mountains and there's tons of waterfalls falling off of them. It's kind of at a distance, but it's uh, it's like Kauai is weird and that like it rains like I think 300 days of the year or 330 days out of the year. It's like it's the rainiest spot like in the world or something. This mountain has always like clouds above it, always raining. And it's like a it's a mountain that's an, like an old volcano, actually. So it's a big lake up there. And from that lake, there's always water falling um, off of it. And it's just raining all the time on that mountain, not necessarily for the whole island, but just that mountain just like always just doused in, in rain. And uh, just a beautiful spot, like in uh, and just like a great spot to have breakfast. It was like one of my uh, more favorite places in terms of memorable locations. Yeah, if you haven't been to Hawaii, uh, definitely a good, uh, good destination. All those islands are fantastic. I, uh, I did the tail end of my honeymoon in Hawaii. We started off in Denver, went to uh, Canada, spent uh, two weeks at, um, on the snow and then had uh, like nine days in Hawaii. And yeah, absolutely incredible. So beautiful. Uh, walked up to the top of the, uh, uh, walked up to the top of the, the big walk mountain thing, uh, whatever that was called. Um, so you can get like a better view of the city and the beach. It's, Incredible food there, amazing. The people are the nicest people I think I've ever met in my life. Um, yeah, definite. If you uh, if you have time, it's and it's not even the the cool thing for you know us Australians is it's not actually that far away. It's um, I think it's only about eight or nine hours, which is rare for us to be able to find somewhere that's nice. That's you know less than twenty hours uh, flight. I think our options are generally like Japan and uh, Hawaii, uh, so. Yeah, incredible spot. Um, the people are so, so nice, and, and the history there too, right, is, is incredible. I've never been out of Europe, and I don't want to. Just to touch base on uh, Hawaii, I think I just came into the conversation at the perfect time. Uh, literally just got Any back. Any particular reason? There's so many lovely places to see. Like, you don't, uh, you're not interested in seeing, like, the culture of, like, Japan or... Uh, Australia, come and see, come and meet some convicts. Um, not, none of that interests you. Like we're we're basically descendants of uh, of Europe, of the UK, I should say. Uh, yeah, Ramran wants to meet uh, Zara next week in in Australia. Uh, yeah, Roger, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, to- totally fine. It was actually my fault for interrupting. Um, yeah, I just got back from Hawaii. So it's so funny that you guys are mentioning, uh, Hawaii in the, in the chat. I was in Maui for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all been to Maui, but Haleakala. Roger, did you, did you happen to catch uh, mama's fish house there? Oh, so good. Mama's fish house right on the water. There is, it's, it's a staple that I think it's Lahaina grill, which is pretty cool. I think mama's fish house was definitely my favorite. Uh, but you know, you have Haleakala there. I don't know if anyone in the chat's about you know yeah spiritual connection and whatnot but you know i was able to go to ram das's house and meditate for the day so it was really great um he coined the phrase be here now you know it's just all about presence but such a beautiful area bruce Bruce, you might be aware of that right um yeah ram das really like him yeah 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 he spent the last of his days in uh in maui um which is his entire story is obviously beautiful, but Maui's gorgeous. My next stop will be Kauai. So hearing that is obviously uh, 
super supportive. Um, Nepali yeah, coast. Roger, what you want to do? Yeah, you. What you want to do is like make. Sure, I don't know if you're athletic or not, but like big time. <laughs> get on the like if you're not like get on the fucking stair climber or whatever. Like yeah. get ready and go do that Nepali coast uh, walk. Right, like go yeah. go like backpack to the thing one day and then back the other twelve miles or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah. I yeah, definitely want to camp out. Uh, I know. I know. There's like apparently there's like a wait list, right? There is, yeah. You have to basically like uh, apply for the like, what do you call it? The the national park hikers. There's some license or something you got to take. It's it's a it's not a big deal, but yeah, you have to pre-plan this. You can't just like show up. Um, right. Plus, right. you have to have the right stuff because you know you've got to you got to plan to camp out there on the other end and everything. But yeah, you'll probably like that if you're athletic. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about hiking. I mean, I'll definitely do a helicopter ride solely for the uh, Jurassic Park theme song. You know, it'll make great content but uh other than that definitely would love to camp out there overnight yeah hawaii is just it, it's crazy to think that hawaii is part of the united states you know i'm a huge fan of bali and i go to bali a lot but hawaii being i think has like 10 ecosystems out of the 14 that's uh known of so you know one area could snow like on haleakala Another area can be a complete desert, can rain, be completely tropical. It, it's ridiculous. But if you guys haven't been to Hawaii, go to Kauai. Yeah, I, I didn't realize this. Yeah, when I went to Haleakala the first time, I didn't realize like how fucking cold it'd be. Yeah. And I, it was freezing my ass off. I was like, holy shit, I came to Hawaii for like the sun and this and that, right? And, like it's like freezing up there. Uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a wake up call for sure. It's it's definitely a site though that everyone should uh you know visit and it's it's scenic it's very scenic and then the road to Hana in Maui which is pretty cool as well, uh, but all right I'll, I'll stop uh, don't want to take all the time here. Oh Thanks, no you're cool we're just BSing like there's no there's no particular agenda we're just messing around. Oh fair enough fair enough all right. <laughs> Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was part two of a several multi-part sci-fi space, a cheppy space, Friday in the cosmos. Let's ask Addy some weird-ass shit. Recorded on Friday, September 16th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Sneaking through back alleys on a little cosplay Broadway all day, looking like the wrong way Resuscitating major players in the waiting room Sifting through the paperwork while I be debating fools Breaking rules, breaking bad, like we always wait for doom Slayed a few in my early years, often hit the shroom Sitting in the dark, waiting for the daily news To let us know what we should believe as the latest truth Stay aloof, writing rhymes in the studio Trying to keep it well lit like filming a movie role Sorting through support from your endorsements Of course we're tripping balls, handing reports in the latest proof ain't a way to move, change the view Just a bunch of pack of heads living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner, finger licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Big thinking energy always gets the best of me When I kick it in the lab, messing with new recipes Gotta mix and match, flip the lash, letting rhythm scratch No shit, spitting facts with my vision smashed Big trip aristocrats, dishing out a list of trash Missing wisdom, this fish is too big to catch Better let the missus know where you hit the stash Watch your next step, bro, before you hit the traps Walking on eggshells, tripping over landmines And I'm about done dealing with these damn lies Man, I'm looking at this planet like a franchise Chastising to digging holes in the back nine 
the latest proof Ain't no way to move Change the view Just a bunch of peck of heads Living in a chicken coop Picking at the dinner finger Licking like the plate is good So kick it for a minute Then show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Show me what that thing could do Two plus two Two spaces.